Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9am on Cork's Red FM. Just on the point of gigs and concerts and events uh, restarting or the possibility of them restarting if there was no alcohol. It's a story from the Irish Times this morning and their front page says Martin uh, wants concerts to resume, musical events and gigs may be allowed to go ahead if alcohol is not served on the premises. This is a proposal being considered by government. At the same time, they're having another go at the fresh legislation again today. See what kind of powers they can give the Gardaí to crack down on restaurants and pub owners who don't comply with public health guidelines. So there's a big a ba- bit of back and forth with regards to that legislation. And God knows it's needed if you were to see the events and the video footage circulating. Or indeed, even if you drove through it, Killarney at the weekend. We're talking about Saturday night into Sunday morning. And all of the papers carry it this morning. The examiner's front page calls for Cracktown after Killarney Street Party. The Mirror this morning, Kerry Bad Show, rules flouted in the holiday town. I mean, you were talking about dozens upon dozens upon dozens of people on the main street in the early hours, partying and singing and drinking and hugging and dancing. One fellow stripping down to his uh, underpants on top of what was once um, a telephone box and now a telephone box defibrillator. And he, ro- he roaring on the crowd to sing The Fields of Athenry. So very much alcohol fuel partying down in Killarney. Uh, probe uh, into that and unfortunately into the deaths of two young men. This is absolutely tragic. A 28-year-old man uh, from McCroom by the name of Colm Casey discovered outside a house in Wilton, uh, transferred to Cork University Hospital where he died. Um, paramedics were called to the scene. This is from Eagle Valley uh, in the suburbs, uh, just in Wilton, actually. Uh, and apparently the papers this morning are saying that uh, he loved wrestling. And like any young fella with his mates, they do a bit of caffling. And a tragic, tragic accident, it would seem. Uh, like the front page of this morning, Sun says, two dead in headlock horrors. Poor old Cullum who lost his life in Wilton. And then the other story is a fellow by the name of Dara Sheehan, a 26-year-old, found dead outside uh, Kerry Hotel Saturday night. Um, again, this seems to have been involving a restraint or, or a headlock. So two tragedies being probed uh, by the Gardaí as to whether or not there's any criminal intent. I, some of the papers are, are suggesting that there are investigations uh, with regards to the Garda Shikona, but I guess they just want to know what happened. Probe into death of man found lying outside house and another probe into the death of a man found unconscious and subsequently later dying outside a hotel in Killarney. Um, and the papers this morning uh, talk of it as being a joke fight, the Cork uh, death. That's the front page of uh, this morning's star. So very, very tragic with the loss of two young lives and indeed a crash then think between uh, Waterville and uh, Derrynan at the weekend when a man on a motorbike was killed in a collision with a motor car so he was 50 years old. Uh, talking of numbers, the Echo this morning says there's more than 40 Gardaí in Cork on long-term sick leave and a further five are currently suspended. Don't know why they're suspended but it's a freedom of information request. The front page of uh, this morning's uh, Echo 42 Cork Gardaí out sick. The biggest test is yet to come, according to the front uh, of this morning's mirror. What are they talking about? The return to schools. Uh, so you'll have primary schools and secondary schools. Lots more going back today, going back this morning. Tens of thousands going back today. That's the big test they're saying. I think it is. I think there's probably a bigger one to come. And that's when the colleges go back at the back end of September. I think that's going to be a real game changer. Uh, other stories that are not necessarily COVID related, but there's a story in the examiner where the staff 
down in Cove um, have been battling. These are the Spike Island tour staff battling for their own toilet. Well, they've won the battle. You fight hard enough, you'll win out in the end. Prior to this, the staff at Spike Island Tours in Cove had to go visiting local shops or the local hotel to use the bathroom because management refused to provide any facilities. You can't be doing that. So they're getting their own loo, and rightly so. And other issues then on the water include the 300th birthday anniversary of the Royal Cork Yacht Club. And happy birthday, happy anniversary to all involved. There's going to be some kind of celebrations. There's an exhibition running there as well, but it's a lovely story. Started back in the year 1720, not today nor yesterday. You see, Andy Kenny's getting his own RTE television show. His Irish is just superb. And it's an Osquelga TV show about old Irish railways from times past. So that's an interesting one. See what he, how he, uh, how he steps up as a TV broadcaster presenter. Sadly, the sexton came down at the weekend. I'm very saddened about that. I would have thought there could have been something done to incorporate it into the new build. We dealt with it on Friday morning's program, but too little, too late. And the examiner, I shared it on Twitter at the weekend. The examiner carried video photo, video um, of the actual demolition uh, by Loftus, who brought it down very safely, but unfortunately, very sadly as well, to make way for apartments. But the video footage was captured by, by the examiner at the weekend. Um, do you eat lobster? Um, I, I never fancied it. I always thought it was a bit of a kind of a song and dance about very little. But um, uh, even if I did like the taste of it, I probably would never order it because the way that lobster... I mean, it's kind of hypocritical, really, but because I do eat meat and the way they dispatch, uh, you know, beef and cows anyway is is also, many would say, barbaric. But certainly with regards to the way a lobster meets its end is in boiling hot water and the lobster goes in alive. And they say, many studies conclude, that crabs and lobster, you know, cooked alive like that, do feel pain. So the English Times this morning is coming up with... uh, um, a study on research that says that really, if you really do want to eat lobster, they should be stunned. I think that's what happens with cattle, isn't it? They should be stunned before they hit the water. And it could even improve the flavour. For me, anyway, lobster was never worth the price, to be quite honest with you. And you know, with COVID now, apparently, those of you working from home, you wouldn't think this, but apparently you're sitting down for nearly three hours longer each day than when you went to work. Um, I think it's probably because, you know, there's no commute anymore, except from maybe the bedroom to wherever you're, you're working out of the kitchen table. That's a story that makes this morning's uh, English Times as well. And finally, papers say today that from this week, not here, unless there's a Sainsbury in Ireland that I don't know about it, but from this week, you will be able to buy mince pies, Christmas pudding, uh, and all things delectable for Christmas. Whether they'll keep until then, I have no idea. Or whether they're suggesting that you should eat mince pies in the month of September. Probably that. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco. Save time and shop online. Simply log on to tesco.ie. I got it. Lines open at one 104 106 You can text 0868-104-106. Before I start uh, with uh, Killarney... Um, Probably more worrying, actually, here on Lee side is stories uh, a story that came in overnight uh, that Brenda's been working on for a little while. There, she's been in touch with the Cork City Fire Brigade because apparently, and this is this, you know, I say the real test will be the back end of September when the colleges are back again. Well, I got to tell you, the Cork City Fire Brigade received a call shortly after midnight, just gone, to attend a call. There were reports of a house fire 
in Connacht Avenue. Uh, around about midnight last night. So three units of the fire brigade responded to the call and they had to make a forceful entry into the premises just after midnight on Connacht Avenue. Two firefighters wearing breathing apparatus uh, went in there. When they went into the house, they found a very large gathering of at least 30 people, both male and female. And apparently they had... uh, blacked out the windows with bin bags. Uh, Elderly neighbours, as per usual with these house parties, were disturbed by the incident. There was a house party going on. The guardie arrived at the scene. Um, I'm still waiting on more information on this that we got from um, the the fire brigade this morning where I think people were marched out of the house by the guards. So uh, I'm waiting for information on that. But um, these are the challenges associated with with COVID-19. You got to wonder if all of the pubs were open uh, and if late night bars were open, you know, would this be happening? Like if if there hadn't been a call to the fire brigade and people at the house party were completely out of it, we could be dealing with multiple deaths this morning. Uh, Firefighters went in there with breathing apparatus because the place was full of smoke. In they went and found at least 30 people, male and female, partying. You couldn't see in the windows because they were blacked out using using bin bags. Now, we've contacted the guardie who did arrive soon after the fire brigade. Uh, and hopefully we will get some sort of additional information from them. I believe that when the guards arrived, everybody was trooped out as to whether they took names and addresses or what. I do not know. Uh, but that's the kind of carry on that you're dealing with. Um, and I'm not for a moment a party pooper. I am not. I mean, I was in my 20s once and we partied hard. We really did. And we probably did stupid things in our 20s also. I understand all of that. Uh, But I'm just wondering if, you know, with that now and what's happening in Killarney, are we handling this right, you know? Young people will be young people and they'll always think that they're immune to anything, including COVID-19. So that's what happened overnight, just after midnight in Connacht Avenue. And I will return to that. I'm just waiting on more information as to what the Gardaí did when they arrived. Um, But that's the life and times of people who have to live around it. But that could have been... A tragic, tragic death that we're reporting, or multiple deaths this morning. Anyway, lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text zero eight six eight one zero four one zero six. So to Galani, maybe you saw the video footage. I posted some of it over the weekend, but the faces blurred out. This is the audio of what went on on the main street of Killarney Saturday night into Sunday morning. <laughs> rendition, this fellow on top of what was a phone box, now a defibrillator uh, riled up all of the crowd to do a good rendition of the fields of Athen Rye in his underpants um, Tom Randall says, Randall's Hotel in Killarney joins me by phone, Tom good morning Tom can you hear me? Uh, Neil good morning, good morning. Is this, was this a rogue event or is this Killarney every weekend? No absolutely Neil, um, I believe this is a rogue event, look we're, we're 
terribly disappointed here in Killarney. You know, we've had a we've had a we've had a successful summer. Uh, businesses have adhered well to to, to to the rules and regulations, and and you know, funnily enough. This is probably one of the quieter Saturday nights that Killarney has had, the, the Saturday just passed, so I don't know if it's tied to it back to school or whatever, but no, this is absolutely, this is not normal for Killarney. I mean, Killarney is about people coming down, enjoying themselves. How could it be the quietest night when it's making all the radio programs, television news and newspapers last Saturday night? Should in, that, that's in, not a quiet night. In terms of, in terms of demand for uh, accommodation, it was one of the quieter nights that we've had over the last eight to ten weeks, so I don't know... You know, we haven't, maybe there's not as many families down, but absolutely uh, what went on Saturday night is not normal for the town of Killarney and we're disgusted. Yeah, you do know that that carry on in Killarney is probably going to knock everything back again now for all of the publicans and any kind of relaxing of, 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 of guidelines and regulations going forward. Um, I do, you know, listening to the chief executive, I think Paul Rudd, the HSE this morning, I mean, I think... He accepts the challenges for uh, for people on the streets, for businesses. And, you know, I don't think that they look at it as simply as that. I mean, the VFI have come out very clearly that they do not for one second condone any of this sort of behaviour. They, they encourage, if there's businesses that are touting the rules, they encourage them to be, uh, you know, to, to have uh, penalties imposed. So, uh, you know, I, I, I hope that's not going to happen. And, uh, you know, I, I hope that's not going to happen. Did the guards eventually turn up? I, I believe, I'm told that once the guards were called that they were on the scene within 10 minutes, which, okay, we, we and less than 10 minutes, and that the situation was cleared. So, again, I think, um, again, I'm not defending what went on there, but the guards were present and they broke it up quite rapidly, is what I'm told. I mean, I was in Killarney last Friday night. I walked down through the street. It was quiet, you know what I mean? Like Killarney, while it's, it's busy during the day, nighttime, it, it's quiet because there's not really anything to do. And I suppose you do have this issue with people coming out of restaurants at between ten thirty and eleven thirty, and uh, you know, you know, and I heard you mentioning the possibility of, you know, should should bars be opened up? It's a very complex issue. I mean, our priority is the safety of visitors and the safety of people that come into. Is our it the case that perhaps there are particular pubs, maybe large pubs in Killarney, that are really flouting the guidelines or pushing the envelope a bit? I don't think so. You know, I mean, I think people are coming down. You know, you look at. Uh, average, average average people who are working hard during the week, you know, if they want to have a beer, they have to go out and have a bite to eat, which is not exactly what we all do to go for a beer. So um, I, I think people are they're, they're going out earlier. They're having lunch. They're maybe having a start in one venue and then they're going out and having a, a main course in another venue and probably drinking at a faster pace. So, uh, I, you know, th- certainly in our business, the guards have been, you know, some one night there recently, they came into our bar three times, which we're very happy with. We operate a very uh, safe environment, but the guards are very present in terms of visiting businesses. So I, 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 I don't think that's the case. So could it have been a case then that you had all of these multiples gathering from different establishments all coming together on the main street? Is it when the pubs all closed so that they weren't necessarily from one or two venues, but from lots of Killarney venues and they gathered to party? Look, I'm just working on the the three or four minutes of video that you saw. I would think that's possible. The main street is obviously in the vicinity of lots of restaurants, gastropubs, bars serving food. So that is potentially the case. You know what I mean? I, I you know, and even I saw my own. 
Twitter feed yesterday, a lot of people coming back and saying, look, just been back from Killarney. Uh, P- business has been very strict on compliance on the 105-minute rule. I and, understand. Uh, I mean, I, I do understand all that. And I know it's frustrating for you, but this is the video that we saw out of the main street. It's up there with Temple Bar six weeks ago. Um, what? Like, what, and why, was, why were they carrying pizza boxes with them? Do you have any thoughts on that? I, I don't know. There is uh, there is a shop there in the vicinity that serves pizza. I don't know if it was serving pizza that, at that time. Potentially that was the case, but I, you know I can't. No, I'm just wondering whether there. the establishments they were coming out of were were pubs that just sold them takeaway pizza or something. No, I, I mean from my understanding, if you look at Main Street, you know that there's premises there. They're full service premises. You know, I mean they're serving starters, main courses, desserts. It's not any of this sort of. You know, nine euro um, surprise main course. They're not. You know, most of the bar, most of the bars in Killarney do food. I'd say the number of, of wet bars in Killarney is minimal. So, you know, food is a big part of of trade down here. You know, and, and don't like not for one second am I condoning what went on on Main Street. You know what I mean? It is appalling. We are terribly disappointed. I know the Chamber of Commerce in conjunction with the mayor and the uh, Kerry County Council are looking for a meeting with the superintendent today. You know, I, I know the police are not going to be happy with what went I'm on. told you know in, what I mean? in, in Killarney's defence that a lot of those that were down there for what people are now calling carnage in Killarney were actually not from the town. They were from out of town and there was a lot of them from Cork. This is what I'm told. I, again, I, I, I wasn't there. I'm just working off the video. I mean, I, I can't, I don't know where they're from. I mean, certainly Cork is, they're always uh, big guests to Killarney, but I, I couldn't comment. I, I can't say that was the case. Um, also, of course, you had a tragedy in the Glen Eagles on Saturday night. That was awfully sad and guard investigation there. So our thoughts are with the, 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 the family of the deceased young man. Um, your thoughts before I let you go then on so many pubs being closed and responsible publicans that if they were open, um, I, like young people need to party. And those down in Killarney, to the best of my knowledge, were just having fun. But there's the COVID-19 and distancing and physical distancing and gatherings that are not supposed to be allowed but this doesn't seem to be working does it like if all of the pubs were open it probably would diminish events like that and also cut down on house parties wouldn't it yeah i i think it's a really tricky one i mean i've seen myself where alcohol does uh, people let their guard down you know what i mean they forget social distancing they forget the good basic practices, you know, but but absolutely. I mean, I, I was reading an article about Formoy during the week where there's not a bar opened, you know what I mean? And that, that just does turn people into this binge drinking house party. So I, like, I, I, I do think, I'm not going to talk on behalf of the visitors, but I do think there's a case there, and, and certainly in rural areas, in smaller pubs, where wet bars, you know, would have an option to open maybe with an earlier closing time. I mean, these are pubs where they'd, never have more than 10 people in them. And, and I think from a community point of view, you know, um, like the pub is an important place for rural communities. And I think absolutely something needs to be done because you see the problem at house parties. You see this, what happened in Killarney. It could have been Kilkenny. It's happened in Temple Bar. You know, it can happen anywhere. So I, I think something needs to be looked at. But at all times, people's uh, safety needs needs to be paramount. But it is very difficult for, for younger people now, you know. It is very difficult and very challenging for them at that age. Tom, thanks for taking the call. I do appreciate it always. Tom Randall's at Randall's Hotel in Killarney. I mean, there are just so many pubs now that are open 
because they're doing takeout pizza and, uh, you know, Deliveroo brings the pizza in for the punters. And I think it's just made a complete mess now and almost like a, a complete mockery um, of the of the current legislation with regards to who can and can't. Uh, Councillor Jackie Healy-Ray by phone. Jackie, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Um, to you and all are, are you aware of what went on in Killarney? Were you there or is it the video footage you saw? No, I was not there. No, no. Um, it's the video footage, obviously, that, that, that I've seen. Um, you were critical of the Garda Shikon, I believe. Is that right? Yes, and to be fair, you always have to admit when you're wrong, that comment, which I did clarify later, was very hasty uh, and too quick off the mark for me. Um, because to be fair, uh, the guardie from when that you asked, you asked at the weekend, where were the guards? Simply, simply, yes. And 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 in hindsight, and we're we're all very smart in hindsight. I shouldn't have been so hasty off the mark uh, with such a comment because, in fairness. Um, I did clarify it later that the Gardaí were on the scene from from when that video was taken. The crowd had been dispersed by the Gardaí within tw- 10 minutes. And as well, uh, as the day went on, we obviously found out how, how unfortunate uh, Killarney was on Saturday night in relation to other tragic events that took place in the town on the night. Um, uh, so, in fairness... Yes, uh, but why, why did it take a squad car to have to arrive? Why aren't there a guardie on the beast just mixing and mingling in uniform with, with people on a Saturday night? Well, from, from my understanding, the timelines between the tragic events in Killarney and this were quite close. So, as you can imagine, uh, when, when such a tragedy takes place, I, I would imagine that that takes up a lot of uh, uh, resources from the Gardaí, especially uh, at the very at the very start of, of what you might call between calling off the scene and everything. Um, so I would imagine that that their their attention might have been diverted at that stage. And I think there was another incident uh, up up the street in the town. So uh, in fairness to to, to the Gardaí's defence. They probably were put to the pin of their collar. On okay, I did see another video. Some are alleging that it's related to Killarney, and that's with the ones of people fighting, groups of people fighting, including young women fighting with each other. Is that a Killarney video? I haven't seen that video, Neil. I haven't seen that video. I can't say with any amount of certainty. It's claimed that it is, but I don't know. There was a second one of fights. I, I, I Again, I haven't seen that video, so I couldn't comment. Okay, okay. So what are your thoughts then on the way things stand right now with so many pubs closed and young people so frustrated and I understand their frustration. They want to mix, they want to party, they want to have a few drinks and a dance and hang out with their buddies. Yeah, I mean, look, obviously what happened on Saturday night uh, was very disappointing for the town of Killarney. And yes, I do understand. I'm a young person myself. I'm only 25. Um, I, I know that it's, it's very difficult for people to, to get out and socialise uh, during these times. But Neil, everybody has made sacrifices. Um, our frontline staff have made sacrifices from the very start. Families have lost loved ones. Um, so if, if, if people of my own generation have to give up their nights out for another few months, then to be honest, so be it. Because we all need to make sacrifices in times of, in, in times of crisis like this, and if it means that we can't be close together, if it means that we can't be on a dance floor uh, dancing the night away for 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 another few months or a few weeks or whatever it's going to be, then I'm, I, we have to make sacrifices. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Like I I, I don't I, again. It's 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 a very small thing to give up. Uh, being able to get out on the dance floor and uh, in a nightclub 
and then the night away. Oh, I'm not suggesting uh, nightclubs, but I'm just thinking about if yeah, there were more pubs open, then it would spread people around more and would cut yeah. down on, say, how these. this was not a house party, well, yeah. incidentally. This was like if, if alcohol they got in pubs. Do I, do I, like, I do feel that our, our rural pubs especially should be open. I, I, I really can't see um, the sense uh, behind, uh, we say, the difference again. It, it's very simple. The difference between me going in and buying a, a meal for nine euros and being able to have a pint and me going in and, and not, not having to pay nine euros and, and have a pint. Because particularly in a lot of our rural pubs, um, you're not going to have crowds because the crowds aren't there. What you'll have is you'll have, you'll have a number of locals who'll go in and they might only have their two or three pints and go home. Very, very much so. So maybe the opening of pubs whenever that happens will have no effect whatsoever on the carry-on that we saw down in Killarney or what we saw in Temple Bar or potentially, potentially might see on Washington Street. Yes, because a lot of, in a lot of the rural pubs that, that I would frequent even when we're doing work clinics, a lot of them are held in public houses. Um, there would be very little young people in them anyway. Okay. A lot of these rural pubs don't open till after six o'clock in the evening. They have their few customers that come to them. Um, and like I say, those, those pubs should be allowed to open because like I say, I don't feel that, to be honest, a lot of those pubs that when you go into them, there's so much space between them anyway that there's social distance because there's so few people in them. Oh, I know, I know. All I know is that it doesn't seem to be working. Um, it's, you don't have any information as to whether some pubs some of the larger pubs even in Killarney are, are flouting the guidelines? No, uh, I, I, I believe that our, our publicans in Killarney are very responsible people. Now, the Gardaí have, have, have issued a statement this morning stating that they are reviewing the footage and they are looking to see uh, what led to the events on Saturday night and if, um, if uh, businesses are responsible for that. But, like I said at the beginning, this was very out of character for Killarney. A lot of people, including the, the Kerry County Council, the business people and in Killarney, the Chamber, the Chamber of Commerce in Killarney, have put a lot of money and time into making Killarney and Kerry a safe destination for people to visit. We have had extreme numbers of uh, visitors to our county uh, from all around the country, which we very welcome uh, over the last number of weeks. Kerry has been a very safe place. We've had very few COVID cases in the last number of months. And I think that's testament to how safe Kerry is. And okay. like I said, the events of Saturday night were extremely out of character. OK, appreciate you taking the call, uh, Councillor Jackie Healy-Ray. The, the downside to this event, of course, is that if any of them were COVID positive and they spread it to others and they come back to Cork and they give it to a mother, mother, or a family member, and they give it to a grandparent, you know where this is going. Dan, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you doing? I'm good. Uh, your thoughts on all this carry-on? Yeah, I just have two, two points. One is a question for you, the other is a point. The first the point being, you know, where is everybody calling for all these guys to lose their jobs? We've set a precedent in this country now where if you stray from the norm, you lose your job. So why is everyone doing that? And so I deal with that as my question. Who should lose their jobs? The young people? Anyone identified in the video? No, because... Oh, because oh, no, well, like, hang, on, hang on, hang on. No. So why are people asking for it? You, you're here and you're saying, where are the guards... Were the pubs flaunting it, flaunting the rules? But the rules are quite simple. You can go in and get a nine euro starter and drink for 105 minutes. You can go to the next pub and get a, a nine euro main and drink for 105 minutes. And you can go to the next pub for 105 minutes and have a dessert. And then. And you can't go and watch a football match. Exactly, yeah. But the, my, I, I agree with Jackie there. My local, we've been social distancing for 10 years down in the village. And like, it can't open. Yes, no, nobody needs to flaunt the rules and what we see last night is happening but like really Neil 
you have a lot of listenership. Why are you asking where were the guards? Why aren't you absolutely crucifying everyone that was asking? No, no, no. I'm not going to be. Co- no, I'm not coming down hard on a teenager or a twenty something. They weren't we, teenagers. We were. They're I'm adults. not going to come down hard on They're a twenty something. We were all there. We all did our partying back in the day. None of us, Neil. None of us have been here before. You're wrong. None of us have been here before with a pandemic. And, and your comment there... I'm not going to for a moment go on the air and start saying we need to arrest all the 20-somethings. We need to get them all sacked and kicked out of college and their jobs. Sure. Not, like, sure. Why not? But why, 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 why is it so everyone else's fault? Why are we looking for the responsibility for, last, for Saturday night on the guards and on the pubs? Where's the responsibility on the people well, themselves? Well, firstly, you're, you're, firstly you're, you're, you're if you had... Firstly, if you had Garda Shikona on the beat which seems to be completely not evident in this video footage, where they're literally walking around on busy nights rather than having to react by bringing in a squad car from somewhere else. You know, that, that's one way of starting. Secondly, young people, need to, young people need to be able to party and have fun and enjoy themselves. And even in these times, all, all I'm asking is, with the, clearly the rules were flouted here, right? Um, and probably will be again. And this is a holiday town, for instance. All, all I'm saying is that, and you've mentioned it there, you can have a starter in one pub and a lash of pints. You can have a main course in another and a lash of pints. In other places, you can go in and have a lash of pints and they'll bring in a you know, pizza for you and you, you eat that. All, all I'm saying is that the way it is right now is not working. Absolutely. But, but you also said, what if somebody from Cork was in that group and came back and transferred the yeah. Um, yeah. To, to a relative? Whose fault is that? I, I know that it's and but that's about even the teaching or the lecturing or the explaining doesn't seem to be working with a lot of young people. Well, but you don't what you don't want is a police state where you, where the cops go in with paddy wagons and arrest them all. Well, see, half the problem is everyone talks about our lockdown and we didn't have a lockdown. Okay, we had restricted movement and everybody got so up in a ball. Everyone turned the key in their door and we're afraid to look out the window. Right, we didn't have lockdown like had in other countries where police were on the streets checking your ID. You know what I mean? You had your allotted hour to go to the shop, etc. And like it's just gone. I think it's called it on your show anticipatory behaviour. We go from one extreme to the other, and I just think people need to take their own responsibility here. And it doesn't matter if those people were Cork or from Killarney; they're adults. They'll tell you. They'll come on here and say that they are adults. Another topic. Looking around in a crowd so what going, What do you think should happen then? You're saying that they should have been arrested and I think you said they I should lose their jobs. One of two things needs to happen on, 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 a, on a countrywide scale. Open everything up or close everything down. I'm sick to the teeth of people going about schools and this and that. It should be staying closed. And then the beaches are full and that cracks Saturday night. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's yeah. an awful lot of people who are doing their bit. And, that, and, and you know, we, we sometimes forget that. That's one town out of the whole, you know, country last Saturday night. But still, it's a, it is a kick in the teeth for everyone that's doing their bit. Okay, appreciate that. Of course, one of the unanswered uh, topics, or one portion of the topic that we thank you for that, Dan, that we haven't talked about yet is again the Irish relationship with alcohol. And I'm not down on alcohol at all at all, but we just seem to have a real love affair with it. Uh, and unfortunately, from a very young age. Got calls on the way. Catherine Clancy standing by. We'll come back after the ad break. Text 0868104106. 
Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. Catherine Clancy joins me from uh, the College Road, Magazine Road, Connacht Avenue area because she's part of the residence committee there that has been fighting for a long, long time to try and get their house party issues sorted. Not necessarily over the last four or five months with just college students, but those that were going in there and renting properties for COVID-19 uh, summer parties because they can't go to MAGA and places like that. Catherine, good morning. Good morning, Neil. So morning. I, I think this came as news to you that the fire brigade responded to a house call of a house fire in Connacht Avenue. They had to make a forceful entry, which sounds to me like they had to break in the door, went in with breathing apparatus because of the smoke, found at least 30 people, male and female, parting in the mm-hmm. house in Connacht Avenue. And um, the windows were blacked out using bin mm-hmm. bags. Um, mm-hmm. The bin bags, that doesn't come as news to you. That's a, That's been no, going on. No, that, that house would have come to our attention because of the rubbish around that house. And also residents not being able to visibly see the back of the house because of it. I believe there's a tarpaulin going across the back garden or something like that, you know. But they were concerned about rubbish at that house and the windows being blocked up. The so there's a tarpaulin that covers the garden area then? So there was, I believe, yeah, some type of tarpaulin thing out the back as well, like, you know. And um, also, as I say, that house would have came to our attention because of the windows being blacked out. Okay, but if the fire brigade have to show up, this could have been a serious tragedy. Yes, yes, and I mean, plastic on the windows, I mean, how crazy, do you know what I mean? But um, yeah, yeah. But as I said, the first I heard about the actual fire was yourselves this morning reporting on it. The guards tell us that all the residents at this social gathering, as they call it, in the house in Connacht Avenue, were removed from the premises when the guardie were called. Mm -hmm. They were questioned in the front garden and their identity was taken, as in their names and addresses and stuff like that. Um, Seems to me as if very little has changed up in that area. Exactly, I suppose. Um, I was saying to Brenda there earlier on, Neil, you know, we as residents, you know, if you're going to court, what we found out in the last couple of months, if you're going to court or if you're going to the PRTB, you have to have records and you have to keep records. So since this end of May, the start of June, we have been recording all instances of house parties, all instances of contacting the guards, all instances of contacting the landlord. Do you have numbers? And we have, yes. Um, and these are just numbers on residents who actually reported. They're not numbers of all the parties that took place or all the incidents that took place in around UCC. In the last, since in the last 12 weeks, we have reported as residents, I suppose we have is uh, 215 parties in the area. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's just that little area, 215 with um, an average, you know, if you, if you say on average there was 30 people at each of these parties, you're talking about 600 young people, um, are, you know, 6, in the area. Of, sorry, 6,000, sorry, exactly. 6,000 young people, approximately, or even more. They're in the ones we know about. Oh, well, you well, know those 215? They, they were shared amongst numerous houses, I'm sure. The, the 215 were shared amongst 77 houses. And on average, one house had 17 calls to the Gardaí, another house had 15 calls to the Gardaí, another house had 11 calls to the Gardaí, down to two or three houses, you know, two or three calls to particular houses. I mean, we need some type of enforcement to be brought in. And I welcome over the weekend that we hear now that, you know, the government and our legislators are at last looking at the instance of house parties. You know, these are multi-lets. They're not, we're not talking about private homes. This area needs to be looked at in its own right. You know, it's uh, what's happening is wrong and what's happening to us as a community is very, very wrong, you know, and something has to happen and something has to happen through legislation and it has to have enforcement attached to it as well. Okay, but 
You remember your court, you were in court, I think you were we in were. court with, was it Owen Kelleher was the judge, wasn't it? Yes, right, yeah, yes. Yeah, and he ordered a landlord who owns properties yes. that, are, that were having COVID parties and to take steps to reduce noise levels of students who live there. And what did he say? Yes. He, he said if he doesn't, then he'd, he'd fine him a thousand yeah, euro or 12 months jail. That's right. And um, we went back into court then with that. And the land- so there's a court order on that landlord's two properties. So if there is any instance of noise there, you know that he could face jail. You spoke. If we're back in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, this was one of those houses. Not one of those houses, but um, no, no, it wasn't. It, it wasn't. Oh, sorry, where the fire was in, yes. Neil, is it? Yeah. No, I think, you know, some people are saying that it's the same landlord owns that property as well. But it's not, it's not one of the properties that we were in court. That's just another property. I know they're property that, owned by the same landlord then. That we believe. We believe. So he's going to be in a bit. He's going to be in a bit of hot water, is he, or is the, or is the order from the judge only related no, to the only, other two? It's only related to those two properties. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I see. I see. Yes, we we yes. spoke to him this morning, and he says he wasn't there. He says, "I think was it, it was the landlord a, of the same properties that we were in court with. Yes, he wasn't yes, there. Okay. He says, "I think it was a party." He says, "I'm aware that the guardie and the fire brigade were there. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. feel good about it, um, of course, mm-hmm. but I'm very happy with the residents." I've already told them not to be having these house parties and they are leaving today. Now, th- that's a direct quote is what he said there in conversation. Oh, I know. Yeah. yeah. Would, they, I mean, would they have been people who had rented the house for the summer? Because they clearly aren't going no to college. I on that particular house only that I said was brought to our attention because of the rubbish and because of the windows being blocked out. So whether they're there, we're continuing to, you know, whether they were actually, a lot of the tenancies came to an end last week and um, the summer lets so this week we would have an awful lot of new uh, tenants moving back in, you know. But these are the usual students then coming in probably next week or so. And how do you but, feel about what's going to happen potentially at the back end of September when UCC is up and running again? Well, what we're, I suppose, you know, as, us as residents, we feel we've done an awful lot on, you know, and more than our share of highlighting what was happening in our area and particularly to do with house parties and the need for legislation to be brought in place. We're hoping that know that the government and we're actually like this, these houses that we're talking about are in the heart of our Taoiseach constituency, you know, and we feel now that we have a strong voice at the cabinet table and that something has to happen. You know, we had the extra measures last week to do with pubs and we had, I believe, 165 pubs or restaurants around the country that were in keeping with the legislation that was brought in. We've had 215 parties in a small area. Yeah. In a small area. We need legislation because we need legislation for the reckless landlords and for the young people who aren't getting the message. But you know, we, we'll have houses. Now we'll have, I have to just say this, Neil. We'll have people coming into houses now next week and they'll be 100% behaved. There'll be landlords who run their properties in a very, very good, uh, as there are businesses and they run that business, you know, as a business and then manage that business. But there are some landlords and the only part of the business that they manage to do with renting properties is managing the account. Yeah. They don't manage the property. They don't check the property. And like, it just shows the lack of legislation that is there to do with the renting. But co- does COVID house parties, is that covered under this discussed legislation? Not, not, not these uh, multi-let properties. Like if you have a, if you have a B&B in the morning, it's covered by legislation. If you have a hotel, it's covered by legislation. A pub and a restaurant. And everything. But these multi-let properties, there's no, uh, nothing in legislation to say that they need to be deep cleaned. 
you know, deep clean. No, but I'm saying, you know, the legislation that they're discussing, yeah. that has to do with pubs and restaurants yeah. and things like that. Yeah. It doesn't have to do with house parties. No, no. But what we've, I was listening to the radio over the week and I heard um, Damien English yesterday, you know, saying that they are looking at the area of house parties you know, and bringing forward legislation on that. Well, we, for us, it can't happen fast enough. And what we don't want um, can't happen is that we're put into the same bracket as private houses. That's a different scenario altogether. Okay. These are businesses of private rented, multi-occupied multi, yeah. multi yeah. units. They're a business and it's one of the few businesses in the country that lacks uh, legislation and particularly legislation around COVID-19. And, and just a final question. What's the purpose of the the blacking out the windows with the bin bags? I have no idea. Is it so that people can't see in as to what's actually going on inside? Yes, I suppose. I don't, that may be, yeah. But like, I mean, I mean, what landlord, I mean, this landlord, if it is the same landlord, doesn't live too far. Why has he never come and checked his property? Do you know? Has, or does he think this is acceptable? You mean that the windows you know? are blacked out all of the time? Yeah. Oh, for God's yeah, sake. They have That's... been blacked out all of the, all, I understand, for the whole of the summer. Okay. All I right. mean, has he any respect for the 80 year old living next door? You know? Yes, because the elderly neighbours next door were very upset and disturbed oh. by the incident, according to the fire brigade. Yeah, we need stronger legislation to deal with, uh, you know, scrupulous people landlords that have no respect for the community and all they have respect is for their bank accounts. It can't continue. Okay, thank you, Catherine. As always, Catherine Clancy by phone lines open one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Tracy standing by after these. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now eighteen fifty one zero four one zero six. Red FM. A resident of the Noonan's Road area then sent me some audio of a house party. This isn't Saturday gone, but last Saturday week. So this is what the residents living next door to a house party would have to put up with. Um, again, uh, this is only about 20 seconds, but this is what was recorded next door. <laughs> So uh, imagine trying to get a night's sleep, having to put up with that. Uh, lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. That's Noonan's Road. Uh, Tracy, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? You, were, I'm good, thank you. How's your weekend? Were you in Killarney? I was in Killarney. Yeah, I was in Killarney last weekend um, for four days. Um, and uh, one of the days we, we we the first day actually we decided we'd go and have a pint. Now it was our first time actually going into a bar. Um, since all the lockdown and we were told we had to order food but um, couple of, a couple of lads came in and called pints at the bar and handed over their money and the pints were put in front of them and when we questioned um, what, why they didn't have to order food and we had to order food we were told that they were regulars who had already been in earlier that day so that they didn't have to order food you are joking. I mean, they're, yeah. this is not working, like, this, no, this setup. No, uh, no, uh, it was like, you know, we, we weren't even hungry, like, so we left full plates of food, which kind of bothered me, because I'm, I'm a chef by trade, and I hate to see food go to waste, but um, you see, you, you're seeing it everywhere, there are people just going in ordering the food and leaving it there just so that... No, but can... did you actually see that, people ordering yes. food, leaving it there? Yes, there was another, there was another table, um... And also there was another table, there was six or seven people, fully grown men and women, and three meals, three starters went down onto the table. 
and there were more pint glasses and wine glasses on the table than there was. Um, and they were allowed to stay there as well. Um, you know, but you're saying that those three starters were for six people and they went untouched? Yeah, they, well, no, I think they were picking at them now, all right? I wouldn't say that. I, I wasn't really looking. But they were uh, a prop. Were they a prop? Yes, a prop, basically, because, they, you know, we assumed they were regulars because um, you could see that they were known to the, the people who were working in the bar. Um, I have to tell yeah. you, that's happening in Cork pubs as well. It is. It is. It's a disgrace. Um, but who, quite honest. Yeah, but who is it? Is it though? Really? You know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, no. I see that. What I don't get is what, what difference does it make going in, sitting down and eating, or going in, sitting down and, and having a drink? Um, I, I don't get why you have to order the food to to be able to to have a drink, whereas you have pubs in other countries and. You don't have to order food. You can just go in maybe, and have Maybe we have a much more unhealthy relationship with alcohol. Maybe, yes, I suppose that's true. Yeah, that's very true. I, I, don't, um, I don't know. I mean, clearly, you know, clearly the, the guidelines now are, in actual fact, it's the law. It's not really working, sure it's not, because, no. the, you know, like if you want to have a pint, you'll be able to find a pub that will give it to you or give you, like you can get a dodgy receipt in other places. Others will, you know, give you a yeah. pizza, give you a pizza box to pizza. share, pizza to share amongst four or six, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So we went into another bar then, uh, um, another night just for to have something to eat, to have something nice to eat. And there was two groups of um, younger people, and um, there was four lads in particular, and they were sitting at the table next to us. And you were only allowed an hour and forty five minutes at the table, and um, the waitress was shuffling them from table to table. So when their hour and 45 minutes were up, they were moved to another table right next, you know, right right next to the, they were just being shuffled around on tables. Um, yeah, makes a mockery drinking, of the whole thing. Drinking, do, you, do, you yeah. think in, do you think in the case of Killarney and your own experiences that they were able to tell the difference between a local and a tourist? Yes, big time. Yeah, we were able to, and like my partner's from England and, and he was treated like a tourist down there you know people were kind of when they heard his accent you know they just assumed that he'd come off a plane from England and landed in Clarny um, you know and did they say anything? No no nobody but you like you know I wasn't comfortable being quite honest with you I wasn't a bit comfortable and even in the, in the first bar that we went into when we questioned I mean the service and we they sat us at a table um basically it was next to the bar it was pushed up next to the bar and where we were sitting that's where all the dirty wear was thrown up in front of us you won't be going back no. to anytime soon definitely. then no no definitely not okay no, no. thanks for that Tracy mind yourself thanks for taking the call back after 10 the Neil Prenderville show with Tesco save time and shop online simply log on to tesco.ie okay so as you heard there just before 10 that was actually a smoke machine at the house party above on Connacht Avenue but uh, the, they, were, they were marched out of the house at least 30 uh, and the Garda Shikona were called and we uh, were in touch with the guards this morning and they said by statement shortly before midnight guards saw smoke coming from a house in Honan Mews and with the assistance of the fire brigade um, they went in the fire service entered the property a smoke machine was being used um, the health act that I've been referring to the guardy pick up in that statement as well it's the temporary restrictions act of 2020 um, those regulations uh, place restrictions on persons organising events but do not apply to events in private dwellings. Uh, the guards say that members of the Garda Shikona engage, educate and encourage 
and as a last resort, enforce. Uh, and they continue to respond to uh, gatherings and engage with the communities with a view to implementing the guidelines issued um, with regards to COVID-19. But the regulations that we've been talking about recently do not apply to events in private dwellings. All right. So you have all that and also the carry on in Killarney. Um, I don't know how the fellow up on top of the defibrillator felt um, Sunday when he woke up and found that uh, his rendition of the Fields of Athenry in his boxer shorts went viral. Um, mortified maybe or maybe he and everybody else thinks that he's a legend and a hero I don't know uh, lines open at one 104 106 text 86 106 and we get back to our phone lines now Dara's been standing by since before 10 my apologies Dara good morning good morning Neil and a good morning from Port McGee in County Kerry I'll be darned I just left there at 5 o'clock this morning so hope all is well well, you see, I heard you were here. I came down to find you. I couldn't find you. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was below the radar for the weekend. <laughs> I was over uh, in, I was over in Derry Nan and walking the pilgrim's path over Carr Daniel Way. So that was fantastic. And did it do you any good, did it? Well, <laughs> I hope to God it does the heart a bit of good. But anyway, um, you're still listening nonetheless, yeah? Yes, still listening, um, and uh, I was I was tuned in listening to your speakers this morning. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm very aware of what happened on Saturday night in Killarney, and I can tell you, Neil, talking to people around here, I was in Killarney myself yesterday for a little while. I was in Tralee. Uh, I tell you, people are very, very angry. They're very upset. And more than that, they're very worried for their own businesses because of the bad name they're going to get. Um, bad name in Killarney, is it? Well, people were saying to me, even here in Port McGee, that, you know, the success of, of Kerry is based on the success of Killarney. And if Killarney gets a bad rep, like it obviously has since Saturday night, that it could filter down to other parts of, of, the, of the county. You were saying um, 81 people dined in a hotel in Clifton and everyone started demanding action and resignations. Um, yeah. Then you, br- then you brought up a point about uh, going for dinner, I think, with uh, on Friday night, was it? Yeah, my mum and I know. I don't. I don't want to mention the the venue. I mean, I, I, to be fair to them, but my mum and I we went into a a restaurant for for dinner on Friday night. We had to book in advance, and um, I became very uncomfortable when I walked in because I looked around. The place was absolutely mobbed with people. I would say a rough estimate between eighty and ninety people. There were tables of fifteen, tables of ten. Everybody huddled in around together, and I just thought. No, this is not right. And I would be conscious of myself with MS. Um, I mean, I have an underlying health issue. My mom, of course, as well. And I said it to the staff. I said, look, not happy about this. We're going to go somewhere else. Ah, sure, that's grand, they said. Right, yeah, yeah. And yet, the whole country went absolutely ape over what happened in Clifton. And I, I just, there's no accountability, if you ask me. But the, but Gardaí are calling to premises like you've described, aren't they? They're calling, I'm told, on a nightly basis, sometimes two or three times a night. Clearly, th- there may have been a lot of people in there, but was there... Like, what is the distance? Is it a metre between tables or two metres between tables? What is it like? Well, I have to say now, uh, uh, Neil, in fairness, I would, uh, putting Friday night aside, I've been to other restaurants around and places that you'd know well, and I've got to say they do it so well. There's at least a metre and a half, maybe two metres between tables. Um, people are, that are being very strict. You must wear a face covering coming in. There are people at the door. Please sanitise your hands. They've down to a fine art, I have to say. But don't you but, think that all of the pubs 
would be able to do the same if they were given an opportunity to prove themselves? Yes, I do think that. And, you know, I was talking to publicans around this area, you know, that are obviously not open, but people I would know here. And they're saying we can do the same. We, we invested into our premises to get it set up. And what's the difference between going in somewhere, having a, a meal for nine euro and going in somewhere else and just having a pint? If, if the pubs are open, I think people will act responsibly. Of course, you will get the clowns. But will the carry-on in Killarney on Saturday night make it worse now for pubs and for moving forward, do you think? I think that's the fear, certainly talking to people. I, I was out in Ross Bay yesterday, you'd know that well, and I met a, fr- a frontline worker from Temple Street Hospital, and she was absolutely horrified, and she said, Dara, this is going to set everything back now. Whatever hope they had of the pubs opening, be it in two weeks or three weeks' time, this is going to knock it on the head. We're heading for lockdown. Now, I don't like that term, but, you know, people need to take, be accountable for their actions. Okay, good points. And on top of that also, of course, you have uh, all of the carry-on that we see in the restaurant that you described, and only 50 people can go to a wedding. I told, I'm told, actually, that weddings are split into two different events now. The wedding reception one day, and the next day, the afters, for those that can't go to the wedding reception. Um, you know, it's... Just and that's the, the other thing, Neil, because what people might forget, the 50 people that can attend the reception, that doesn't just include the guests, that includes the staff that are working in the hotel as yeah, well. that's right, that's right. But that's right. yet, I mean, I went into a church on Saturday evening in Killarney, uh, Killarney Cathedral with my mum for Mass. It was well done. There was no more than 50 people there. Yet, I do know of other ceremonies where they've had over 200 there. At a regular Mass? There was an ordination there recently. Of a priest? uh, Of a bishop. Uh, And there were 200 out in. You know, we need need to get our facts right. We need to give... The communication has to be key. Uh, People will will take the sacrifices, but let's let's not have one rule for one and one rule for others. Okay, I'll let you get back to it. Enjoy your day down in Port McGee. Thank you, Dara. I'll read out some texts in a moment, guys. Just ahead of of that, though, Noel is standing by. Morning, Noel. Morning, Neil. Okay, you were in Cove at the weekend, was it? I did. I went to the Ballynoyne on Friday night um, to do an excellent trade and pizza there. The Ballynoyne does good pizza, lads. Let's bear that in mind. Okay. Great pizza. And Greg Guinness. <laughs> but I sat I sat there with my partner and I looked around the bar. And I was able to, because it's a small town, I knew most people there. And I was able to look at a table and go, they drinking the village gin, they drinking Mensworth, they drinking the donkey, they drinking the quarry cock, they drinking the Rob Roy. I know. So, yeah, yeah so I, I, I have friends around. And those the pubs you just spoke about, they're all closed, are they? They're all closed. Yeah. So yeah. I, I have friends in Sweden and friends in Japan, all of this, and all their pubs are open. And I asked them what their guidelines were. And their guidelines are, you go to the pub, but you stay within your own circle of friends and family. You do not mix, right? So we're actually doing the opposite. We had all the different pubs herded into one room on Friday night. You know? Mm. So like, I think that says a lot to keep those pubs open. Why it's didn't all of the pubs you just listed there do pizza or, um, you know, get food from a chipper? Yeah, I've asked that and, like, basically, it's trouble. Your regulars don't want to pay the €9 Euro every yes, time they come okay. into your pub. Yeah, it's not that You're, type of clientele. 
yeah, your pensioners can't afford to pay the nine euro, you know? So it's like, it's not that simple as just doing pizza. Because some fella might want a pint or a two pints on the yeah. way home from work, or some woman might it, want to meet a buddy for a glass of wine or a pint, whatever she's having on the way home or something. They're going to eat at home, kind of thing, yeah. If, if a regular comes into you six or seven nights a week, that's 60 quid a week on pizza or whatever, you know? He's only having two pints on the way home. Yeah, but, but many, many, many pubs apparently are giving the regulars pints without food. That's what. That's why this whole thing has turned into a complete disaster. Yeah, but that has become very dangerous now with the new guard of powers. I mean, if you're closed for a week or thirty days at the click of a finger and you're caught, you know, now you're in trouble. Yeah. So now it has to be. They have to strictly enforce it. But I, I do feel sorry for him because, the, like this package the government offered them was rubbish. I mean, it's based on last year's rates. And you get 40% of it. I mean, you go to a small rural pub and their rates are pittance. And they 40% of pittance, pittance is pittance, yeah. 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 Restart. Yeah. yeah. Okay. They also told them they're going to warehouse their tax. Sure, they're paying no tax because they're closed. They're also giving them a vet break, but sure, they're paying no vet because they're closed. So, I mean, it was a list of rubbish they offered them, you know? <laughs> okay, good points. Do you, do you think if all of the pubs were open, it would cut down on house parties or the carry-on that we see in, in say, Killarney? Well, one wonders, would it, make any, would it make any difference to that, I wonder? It would make a huge difference. Well, how, would it make it, how would it make a huge difference? Because we've created binge drinking. We're giving guys two hours max in a pub. So they're, they're beating back as much as they can. Okay. Right? And yeah, they're binge drinking. And then this is where you're ending up with house parties and, and parties on the streets. Okay, okay, yes. thanks for that. Yes. Thoughts are welcome as, as, uh, as always. 1-850-104-106, text 0868-104-106. And also, um, I mentioned earlier on this morning that two young men died in separate tragedies over the weekend being put in headlocks. I'm reading from this morning's son, Darius Sheehan, a 26-year-old, was found dead outside the Killarney Hotel on Saturday night. Um, and uh, a young man by the name of Cullum Casey passed away after an episode of what the papers describe as horseplay at a house in Cork City in the early hours of the morning. Um, now, the Guardia are probing both deaths and they're asking people to come forward, uh, certainly with regards to the incident uh, here in Cork. Um, a tragic accident, I believe, is what they're saying, really, amongst himself and his mates, and they must feel absolutely heartbroken. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Lots of texts, actually, but remember I played a little bit of audio there just before 10 o'clock. It was the house party audio that was recorded by a neighbour this bit. <laughs> Sarah, good morning. Hi, how are you? Did you record that? Yeah, I did. I recorded that from my um, balcony. Yeah. Um, are you in an apartment block then, is it? No, it's a flat. And you went out into the balcony and recorded it from next door, is it? Yeah, just it's like up behind me, kind of. Yeah. Okay, yeah. in Noonan's yeah. Road, in another Noonan. flat? Um, a house. Okay, what was going on? Do you know? Oh, they were just partying, like partying, partying, partying. Yeah. Yeah, so I actually phoned the guards that night and I waited for them to come because usually they come and they just go away, you know, and they go back there. So that's what they done that night. The guards came and they moved them all out. I said, there's about 30 of them inside the house. And um, they moved them out. And I was standing on the balcony and as they were all coming down, they were saying, we'll wait there now till they're gone and we'll go back up. And I said, I said, you won't go back up. I said, because I'm going to ring them again. So they went away and like that, they 
they were gone and they went back up and back into the house. So I rang the guards again and I went down to the guards myself and I said, look, the minute you go away, they're, they're going back, like they're going around in circles. And they said that they didn't have the power to keep them out of the house. They don't have the power. They don't have the yeah. power with regards to events in private dwellings. Yeah. Frustrating yeah. and all as that must be mm-hmm. for the Gardaí, there's nothing they can do. No, no. So I said, so this is going to go on so for the night. Like this, at, the, at this stage, it happens too. So um, they said, no, look, what we do is we park. So they parked up outside the house and they were there till about half a four and they went then and never came back. Yeah. And... The characters that were inside in the house, how would you describe them? Would they have been local? Do you know if they were associated with um, UCC or did they rent it for the summer or what? I'm actually not sure because there was one of them, like I seen him coming out of the house loads of times. So I pulled him myself and I said, look, I want the landlord's name. I said, I can see you going in and out of there. I said, you're constantly having house parties. I said, people have to sleep. like." And he's like, I don't live there now. It's my girlfriend. I said, but I'm after seeing you coming in and out of there. But he wouldn't give me the landlord's name anyway. But they were def- I said they were definitely going to college. I think anyway. Like, I, you know, during the day, I'd see them coming and going and they wouldn't be drunk or whatever. It, start, it doesn't start till about half 11, 12 o'clock. That's when they start right. parties. Right. And it's like everybody comes to this one house. And they all bring drink with them, do they? Oh, I'd say so. I'd say there's more than drink sometimes because they'd be fighting and all. Like, they're, they're like animals up there. Like, <laughs> yeah. the, I just heard about a house where they have the back garden covered over with tarpaulin. Yeah, you, yeah like you, they'd be out the back as well, but you can't see them out the back, you know what I mean? And then they have the windows open and they're playing the music from the house, but there'd be loads from out the back as well. You can hear them. Like. And how difficult does it make living for you? Oh, like that night I woke at, I woke to him at half past 12 and I was awake till five o'clock, like, till it all stopped. And have you kids? I have two kids, yeah. Yeah, now they're out the front, so you don't hear as much. Like, I'm in the back room, but like some, some nights they would wake, like, yeah. 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 And this is constant, is it? Or was that a one-off? Oh, no, it was constant. No, this yeah. is all the time with that house. No, as I was just saying there, well, I go to Brenda. I, there was nothing all weekend, so I don't know, are they gone? Maybe they're gone from there now. So you, didn't, the- you, you were making the point off air that perhaps now young people, when they saw the carry-on in Clifton with Golfgate, they believe, well, two fingers to the lot of you, we're going to party. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably, that's another thing as well. Like, I just think it's not fair on anybody else then. Like, you know, do you know, like, oh, I used to be just like, what to be going through their heads? And they don't care. They don't care, like, because they, they were passing, like, and they're like, oh, we'll go back up and they're gone. <laughs> they were like little kids. So I was like, oh, God, like, yeah, I said, you won't go back up there because I'll ring the guards again to you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. How was last weekend? Um, they were the same last weekend. Like, it's, they, this is going on through the whole... This so, for like, Saturday night, Friday night, just gone was the same, was it? Um, yeah, they were partying as well Friday night, but they weren't Saturday night and Sunday night. No, they weren't Saturday night and Sunday night. It was the week before, and it was really bad. Yeah. What are you going to do? I don't know. I'm trying to get that. Like, I was, when I was talking to the guard, he gave me the name of another guard. Um in the Bible, he can deal with it. He can give him warnings, he said. He can give him two warnings and then he has the power to do something like, you know, get onto the landlord and stuff. But I just can't get the landlord's name. Even if I get the landlord's name, I could see him like, but... But if it's Noonan's Road, Noonan's Road, you should be talking to Catherine Clancy's committee. Is it? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, maybe I'll get on to her. Yeah, stay on hold there and we'll give you a phone number. You can give her a bell, all right? Cheers. Perfect, thanks very much. Thanks, a lot of text. Thank you, Sarah. That's from Nunes Road. That was the audio we played. A lot of text to 0868104106. We'll pick up on that after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. And so uh, there was another incident at the weekend, actually, which um, should be on the screen. But, oh, here it is. Yeah, caller was on there just uh, about five minutes ago. Witness 300... This is the caller that we got saying this. Uh, 300 teenagers gathered in a field um, behind Berkeley Estate on Saturday. That's on the old Carrigaline Road up by the Pitch and Putt course. Uh, the caller that rang us stopped a few of them engaging in sexual intercourse. Uh, they were all going up in ruck- with rucksacks with what he believed to be full of alcohol. Now he states 300 of them. Uh, he called the guardian Tug Douglas. He called Toker. He called Anglesey Street, no answer from any of them, uh, half past three in the afternoon. He then called 999 um, and waited around till half past four, but nobody came. So he called Toker. They answered and they said they would get someone out. He believes uh, that a message like a text WhatsApp message would have been sent out to arrange the gathering. And that's why so many turned up. So he's saying up to 300 teens um, by the old pitch and put course on the Carrigaline Road. Um, that's the, that's the world we're living in now. Whether, whether any of that is actually COVID related or not, I don't know. Or maybe it's just, you know, the, as, as the years pass and drink gets cheaper and it's more available and you're buying it in supermarkets for half nothing and so much slightly dearer in off licenses. Uh, maybe it's just the availability of it and people are drinking uh, younger. Uh, if people like Tracy are uncomfortable with the current situation in pubs, um, tell them to stay at home. No one is making them go out. The country is turning into a nanny state full of snakes and snitches. Uh, these are some texts to 0868104106. I'm from Killarney and the video shows nothing new. It's like that during the summer every year. Obviously, it looks bad these days because of the new normal. The more pubs that are open, though, the worse it will get, says Declan. Ah, jeez, come on, F- uh, lads. 50 young ones singing outside. While today we send them to school with hundreds of them. Are you simple or what not to see the difference? That man said the hotels in Killarney were quiet on Saturday night. Therefore, those clowns who had the street parties were local. Shame on them, the dopes. Mind you, uh, please, can you tell Neil that if he starts on Killarney Town from last Saturday night, please tell him that most of the revellers were from outside the county and a lot of them came down here from Cork. Have a nice day going to work uh, now, says Mick. I imagine that a lot of did come in, did come in from outside of Killarney and they were down there to party for the weekend. Uh, please don't give me my details, but I was in Killarney a few weeks ago and commented at the time uh, that Kerry would be the next county to go into lockdown. One pub restaurant was strict with their times, but the sister pub, very popular spot, said that as long as we spent nine euro on food, then we could stay as long as we wanted. I ordered dips, hummus and guacamole. And bread. So dips and bread, nine euro. My group stayed away from each other, but other groups were mingling with each other. Waiters asked these groups to break up and go back to their seats, but they just weren't interested in listening. We left before it got messy. This was about 11 o'clock closing. Uh, It was all young people, including locals involved. And the problem is, if you've got a lot of young people coming in from outside of the area, mixing with locals... That's the problem. Stayed in Killarney last week and the hotel I stayed in told us the pubs to go to where you didn't have to order food. The hotel staff told us the pubs to go to where you didn't have to order food. And the pubs that we could stay in very late. The place was hopping and it was uh, during the week. Can't understand why pubs 
that can't serve food or kept closed with this kind of crap going on blatantly. I can also tell you there was no sign of Gardaí that night either. Um, then, hi, we stayed in Killarney, uh, in a Killarney hotel a few weeks back, and there was no need to eat, and you could drink all day, says Philip uh, in Kinsale. Hi, there is no pub in Killarney doing pizza. All serve food, and they're all very strict. Those pizzas that you saw in the video were purchased in a local fast food takeaway nearby. James says they have now all gone home and left Killarney in the dark. What a joke. I feel sorry for the people. I'm not sure what you mean by leaving Killarney in the dark. But a um, group of revellers enjoying themselves being painted by the media as a crime of the century. Let the same media, same media turn a blind eye to racially charged riots and lawlessness in Balbriggan. Perhaps these culturally diverse thugs are adhering to social distancing guidelines as they, go, as they go about their violent rampage. Do tell me more about that, please. The fact is, this disease is far less of an issue than we're being led to believe. Yet large groups of the public seem to have swallowed the media-led narrative, hook, line and sinker, about a disease that is far less of an issue than we really know. Uh, that protest in Dublin, that said, the protests in Dublin, London and Berlin and elsewhere may be a sign that the norm has finally returned. Um, not quite sure, um, Richie, what you mean by the last part of that, but I think you're of the belief that COVID-19 is totally over the top. Uh, morning, the main topic on news and radio is kids having fun in Killarney. What a meek and pathetic people we've become. Charlatans have changed our culture and you know what? We left them. Uh, there's a difference to somebody else between a man who disregards unjust laws that he publicly speaks out about and elites who ignore the same laws that they themselves are responsible for enacting. Uh, point being the difference there between what went on in Killarney and what went on in Clifton. Um, anyway, we'll come back to a lot of those texts. Text 0868 104 106. Keep them coming throughout the course of the morning. Um, there's other business as well that I wanted to deal with and a lot of it had to do with some of the topics that we dealt with last week. Um, a lot of different texts and copy. One person actually was very upset about the, um, about the sextant being torn down. It was a sad day. Much can be said about the um, student accommodation um, at Bemis and Crawford, I suppose. But the archaeologists knew it was there and found the old city and much more. It was all photographed and documented and it's to be on display in Fitzgerald's Park Museum with regards to uh, the Beamish and Crawford site. What they should have done was take a bit of the 800-year-old wall and put it on display in the Beamish Counting House instead of pouring tons and tons of concrete over it. And instead of a milling machine that's been cleaned and kept on display, uh, the wall is part of Cork history uh, and not a milling machine. It's crazy stuff. That's a, as much to do with, uh, you know, about... The things that we're losing in the city to progress. How in God's name did anyone get permission to demolish the sextant bar to replace it with a glass square? How exciting, um, says Desi. It's a sad, sad day. There was lots then on drugs and addictions and various forms that we dealt with on, on Friday's program uh, and people who lost loved ones to either alcohol or to various forms of narcotics. And I have a very, very sad an emotional interview to play play for you a little later on this morning of another family who did lose a loved one to drink. Um, but back to the phone lines we go for now. Mary, good morning. Good morning. Okay, you did you see that video coming out of Killarney? I did, and I was absolutely disgusted by it. Um, I mean, myself and my 18-year-old son were currently waiting test results. Um, I work in healthcare myself, and he works part-time in a bar. Um, down in East Cork 
So when I, I, I see scenes like that, I'm, I just can't get over the recklessness and stupidity of people. I don't know, what are you going to do? Like, young people need to have a bit of spare, a bit of free time, you know? Let off steam, party, meet their friends. Are we to outlaw all of that? No, I'm not saying to outlaw it. I mean, as I said, I have an 18-year-old son. You know, he, he, you know, he loves to socialise. Where does he do it? But, I mean, we, um, he does it kind of just around town, but maybe two or three of his friends. I mean, I have been so strict with them. Because as I said, working has you see you see the effects of it, and I think you know the program on TV that and it outlined exactly what was going on. I think every single teenager should be made to sit down and watch that because the seriousness of it is devastating. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you think that they're reckless because they believe they're indestructible. They may well be, yeah. but it's those that they can destruct is the problem, isn't it? Exactly. I mean, they're they're young, and uh, and I get it. You know, they need their freedom, but you know, they're the least at risk at the moment. But they're going home, and they're going home to parents. I mean, I have another son who's asthmatic, so you know, he'd be you know at risk of picking it up, even though he's young. Why are you waiting uh, on a COVID test result? You might be asking. Um, my son started displaying symptoms um, a couple of days ago. Um, and I mean, he was very sick. He was, you know, the sore throat, high temperatures, flu-like symptoms, aches and pains. Um, like I, I was working, so I hadn't seen him that much. And when we realised it, um, we booked him in for a test. And then myself, I started um, getting sore throat and high temperatures. So the two of us had to be tested on Friday. Okay. And when are you expecting that result? Back. Um, well, we had it on Friday, and they said two to three days. So we're hoping today. And is that the son who works in a bar? Yes. Okay. And do you think that this is connected? I think so because he's constantly talking about the large numbers. Now I know that they're extremely careful. I know. I know. You know, they're, they're wearing the face shields and they're you know they're doing the table service and everything. But I know. I know. You know, when you have the larger numbers gathering, you you can't predict that it can be contained, you just can't. But it's very interesting that you're handling it very responsibly. Uh, you're probably isolating now until pending the result because you work yeah. in healthcare. Yeah, we are. Yes. And I do work with vulnerable people, so, I mean, it's, uh, the onus is on me to protect them and not go in. I just don't know how you're going to change the mindset of a whole generation, you know? That's, that's the thing, because we've done all of the preaching... We've done all of the lecturing. We've given all of the guidelines, as, you know, and there, there's many of them are still not listening. You know. No, I I think at this stage it's a reality check. Let them see firsthand. As I said, that program that um, was on TV about COVID from the hospital in Dublin. I mean, that that was an eye opener. I, I know a lot of people were upset by its content, but it was a reality check. And I mean, it could be their grandparents, it could be their parents, mm. you know, it could be anybody. Okay, you know, well, I listen. It should, um, be, it should be definitely shown to everybody. Okay, hopefully that test will come back negative. Do let me know, will you? Hopefully. Right. I will, of course. Because okay, it'd be interesting course. how long it takes as well from Friday getting the test and how long it takes to get the result, okay? I will. I'll let you know. I'll keep Thanks, Mary. Have a good day and fingers crossed. Veronica, good morning. Hi, good morning. Okay, your mum's in on the tomorrow. Road. She is. 
she is, yeah. So did you um, see I, this or did she see this? No, she saw it. And yeah. I told her, I wanted, I said, go up and take a photograph, but she, she was, she just couldn't get back up anyway with the traffic. But um, I just, I just think it's outrageous really that, you know, there seems to be one rule for one and another rule for others. And what did she see? Because I got a text here saying, Hi Neil, half past one Friday, there were 200 people attending a mosque on the Tremor Road. The last time I checked, I was, it was no more than six people to attend an indoor gathering. What do people have to say about that? Is that what you're describing? Yes, exactly. Although your mum said more like 300. Well, she said 200. I, I, I was probably saying 300 because I've often seen, it, seen that amount of people, but there was easily, she said 200 anyway there. Okay, that's a form of religious ceremony where the limit would be, say, 50? Yeah, but is there a different rule for them then? I don't know, I didn't no. see it. I mean, what was she describing? Well, she she was like, like were you were used to that mosque because that mosque could be going on 11, 12 o'clock at night. Um, sometimes and the traffic is just un- unbelievable. But I suppose she was, it was actually, that that is actually a bit, at that time anyway yeah. but what what she saw was them going in and shaking their hands and you know all that stuff that what they, were they doing? They do, shaking hands and <sighs> shaking hands with others from outside of their family and things I, I well I, we, I, I, I don't know if they weren't their family but I'm just telling you what she saw now um, in, you know that they were greeting each other and that's reckless she just thought she just thinks like she was, it was outrageous. It, you know, it's, it really is. Firstly, that there were so many people and then everybody that was getting getting there, getting out of their cars were all shaking hands with each other. Yeah. That's totally reckless. Yeah. I just was, oh, we, we, I just wanted only just to highlight it because I, I just feel like yeah. that we're all doing, doing, doing our best and I work in healthcare myself and I just think that it's, it's, it's wrong. It's on every level. And, and I'm sure, I'm sure if it was, if it was one of us in the morning, we'd be brought to book for it. Like, what would have been like inside the building then? Would it have been able to handle two or three hundred people in close proximity? It's quite a large building. It's um, it's like an in, kind of like an industrial room. It's quite. A, it, I haven't never po- seen po- okay. it. But point being, if two hundred or three hundred people rocked up to mass, it wouldn't be tolerated, is it? No, absolutely not. Yeah, okay. That's my yeah. point, you see. Yeah. That's my point. Um, you know, you see, like, elderly people there and they're afraid to go to Mass. And, um, like, I, I I, was with my grandmother now on Saturday, God love her, she's 87. She had a, she had her little mask on her and there was these these people standing around and, you know, no masks, no nothing. They didn't just forget, no? Sometimes I forget and have to go back again. no. Okay. I often do that myself, Neil. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I'd go back to the car for my mask, but like it was just like there was one rule for them and another rule for someone else. I think actually, I did. Think, I do think my mum actually um, put a call into a talker car station because of the mask. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll get in touch with the mask if we can do it this yeah. morning, well and good, and ask them what their thoughts are on two or three hundred yeah, people. Say that they would send the car up. Okay, okay. So we're All not right. sure if they did or not. All right, thanks for that, Veronica. Regards to your ma'am. Finn, you want to pick up on that? Good morning, how are you? Yeah, the lady's speaking the truth on a Friday there at lunchtime. It's an no-go area with people dropping off to that mosque. No, I don't know if there was two or three hundred, 
But I've seen it on occasion driving back that way. It's they're just parking the road and they're going there hugging and shaking hands. And you know, I know it's part of their religion that they have to get together. But as you said. I'm not going down the whole different religion route, but there has to be rules set out for everybody in the country. But even in spite of all of that, and that's not right, it's reckless to be hugging and shaking hands with strangers in any circumstances. But the numbers in Cork are tiny, even in spite of all of that. And even in spite of all of the house parties, our numbers are tiny. I agree, and I 100% agree with you. The numbers are tiny, but uh, it only takes an outburst or it takes a cluster before the, the numbers to grow. And these people, you know, whether or not the guards have gone up there, but somebody needs to get in touch with the mask and say, actually, do you know what? I, maybe shaking hands and hugging is part of their, of their ritual, but they, they need to stop because all it takes is one cluster and then the numbers will grow and grow. And I agree with you, the numbers are luckily tiny and caught despite the house parties and despite everything else but I think the panic has set in and the fear has set in with every every citizen even though some people are showing their responsibility that you know we have to be careful with this but there are pockets that break you know the guidelines and that's that's human nature I guess in spite of the numbers being low anyway I think the point is that while others are being compliant it's annoying when you see those that are not well, rules are made to be broken sometimes, aren't they? And people do it, and it's annoying. But is it is it a bugbear because of the fear factor, or is it a bugbear because people like that lady who's got an elderly woman who's afraid to go out? My own mother, you know, there's loads of old people around the place that not calling my mother old, but there's a lot of people that don't go out because of the fear factor. And then there's people that say, do you know what? We'll take a chance. And it's when you take the chance is when things happen, you know? Okay, we'll see what the mosque or those in charge of the mosque have to say on the matter. I wonder, maybe, is it the fact that we're a bit touchy-feely of not wanting to, you know, crack the whip when it comes to, you know, the Muslim faith? I'm not sure. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. I know, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go down the road of what faith it is because that's, that's irrelevant. It's the fact that they're living in the country and the guidelines have been for everybody in the country. Well, I know that. That's common sense. I mean, that's quite obvious. Um, but let's see what they have to say. You, you also wanted to pick up on a, a landlord issue, was it? Oh, well, no. I, I text Brenda earlier on the topic earlier, but she's got the power of persuasion of getting me on the air. But, Good stuff. Um, that's what I like landlord. to hear. There was a landlord near us and um, he had been told a few weeks ago about his party and he, he didn't ignore it, but, he, you know, it was, it, was a cash, it was a cash cow for him. But the lease must have been coming up to an end the week before last and um, he was called out some time after midnight and there was about 100 people in the house and they absolutely wrecked the house. They had to get new doors, new carpets. Um, it cost them two skips. Um, and it turns out, uh, doing a bit of digging, that the people weren't students. They were just renting from the localised area in the sense that they there was a couple from Carrigaline, some people from Toker, and they, they rented the house and they were having parties. And now he's caught the cost of having to redo his house to get it ready for the college. For the what you're almost session. suggesting there is that the lease was coming to an end and it was uh, that they organised a trash the house party. Well, no, it wasn't a trash the house party as such because the guy hadn't been going in there even though he was told there was... Oh, it could there. have been over... Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Over when the... he went in there, there, there was one skip that was just all bottles. There was one room in the house that was full of cans and bottles, apparently. Um, but, um, yeah, he's now counting the cost of having to get new doors and new carpets and redo up the house to make it rentable for the coming season for the college. But I wonder how many people feel sorry for him, though, to be quite honest with you. Um, I feel sorry for his property, but I, you know, if you don't heed the warnings, it's going to happen. And you know, he had warned them the time of, you know, the, the guys in College Road. He had gone down there, but they just it fell on deaf ears. And the lady from Newlands Road is right; they they've got a WhatsApp group going around that say, "Oh God, we're after being raided." That's okay. Come to this house, and they move around. You know.
So the house was destroyed. A couple of skips had to be brought in. All of the doors had been ripped off. The carpets destroyed. Everything had to be taken out and replaced. Yep. Okay, okay. False profit there. Much obliged. Thank you for that. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Good morning, Neil. I only go out once every ten days to do a food shop. This is from a worried OAP. And last Thursday week, the Taoiseach said over seventies must limit their outings to just essentials like food shopping, doctor's appointments, and there'll be limited times for us in shops. I phoned my local supermarkets to get the times. All said 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. I asked if it was just OAPs and they realized no. They replied no, carers of frontline workers and OAPs. I said, you're joking. Are you and the government trying to kill us off? As they could well be the carriers and not know it. As we know, many have died and I've only been out six times since the 29th of February. My God. These people can and do their shopping anytime, including frontline workers and carers. They sent an email to the Taoiseach on the 23rd of August and I've had no reply yet. I'll let you know if he replies. Um, on Friday, I did my shopping at 2.45 to avoid the obvious between 11 and 1. And lo and behold, the store was full of children in school uniforms, accompanied by their mothers. Uh, I know uh, they don't work. Uh, why the hell did they not shop after putting their children into school? Uh, I bet they had a nice free morning with friends having coffee and a munch. And to hell with us OAPs. I did speak to one mother who had four girls with her at the trolley. And I said, I bet it was nice to get the children to school. And she said, oh, it was like winning the lottery. And then I asked her, were you able to return to work? No, I don't work. But it was nice to be able to see my friends in peace, she said. And I said, why the hell didn't you do your shopping then instead of bringing them in here? They're running around touching everything and you're telling them just to put it back. And she said, why don't you just jump in a coffin? The older one of the children said, she's not dead, Mammy. I felt like saying, your Mammy may have killed me bringing you girls in here. But of course, I wouldn't say that to children. A shopper passing by said, that's a dreadful thing to say to that lady. And the mother said, F off. The lady said, that's a nice way to teach the children how to behave. I now wanted to get out, as the last thing I wanted was an argument. I fully support back to school as the children need structure and to get back to normal. But I do not agree with children in shops wearing uniforms. Uh, Just let's try and consider the vulnerable people and the old. After all, we're advised to limit our movements. Uh, This should apply to school children. How do we know if they're carrying the virus? It's not their fault, but it is their parents. I'm 80 years old and fit as a fiddle. So why would I want COVID-19 when I've done everything to avoid it? My husband and I had just planned the Wild Atlantic Way back in February and Greece with our daughter and grandchildren. But none of that happened. But that's life. I'm now about to send another letter to the Taoiseach regarding children wearing uniforms in shops, especially in food stores, where they're told to wash their uniforms every day. Why it stands to reason, we have yet to see what back to school is going to bring but hopefully it won't be COVID-19. Please don't give up my details. Great program. Never miss it. And my grandson in the UK listens as well. I'm normally not a complainer, but I'm in the middle lane to the cemetery. And I want to avoid the overtaking lane for a while just yet. Thank you for giving me the time. I hope you get to read this out. Just call me a worried old age pensioner. And then, uh, just ahead of Deirdre, just this one, sending this email regarding another house party in the Douglas area. I'm disgusted with my neighbours who on Saturday night had a party in their house. There was so much loud music out in the back garden. As I'm sending this email, it's a quarter to six in the morning 
and they're still parting outside. Besides there being a virus, people just don't show respect to each other anymore. They are just pure selfish individuals. What gives them the right to keep doing this? I wasn't invited, but it seems as if it was a bright old party night. Um, It actually sounded to me as if I was at their party all night. It seems they have no idea about any change in the COVID restrictions as there was at least 30, if not more. Made me very angry as it was rare to be respectful. Um, What you give out, you expect to get back, don't you? Um, thank you for me reading my email. I'm now going to try and get some sleep. And that was sent at quarter to six in the morning from the Douglas area. So more of those between now and, and midday today. Okay, well, Deirdre isn't there right now, so that's fine. But i tell you what we did do this morning. Just uh, I'll come back to those calls after 11. There's no particular rush at this stage. Because an awful lot more schools went back this morning, yeah? Um, and I was just wondering what it was like at the school gate. So shame was out and about at schools this morning. Uh, did you identify the schools that you went to visit? Do we actually know where you went? Um, this was around about half past eight this morning. Uh, they're just coming up on the screen here. He was at, uh, oh, Peg's Airs, uh on Redemption Road. Catching up with some of the parents as they were dropping off kids because we did get some issues regarding uh, schools and uh, everybody arriving and uh, a lot of mayhem at the school gates at the back end of last week. So let's have a listen to this. This is from Peg Sears this morning as um, the little darlings were being dropped off for school. I'm starting myself as an SNA in a, my own new school I started last week. So the policies are in place and uh, they need it. They need some education and uh, a bit of structure. And uh, I'm actually very calm about it, you know. Possibly myself. Um, I'm delighted that they're back because they need a routine. But um, like all the kids are starting to go out as well on the street, so they might as well be back in school. And sure, it's only all trial and error anyway. We actually had two trips. Uh, we had to go to Clausha David, so we were a little bit early this morning. But uh, no, everything's run smoothly anyway so far. It's good for a bit of routine uh, for the kids because they've been out for a long time. Uh, obviously nervous, you know, due to COVID. Um, however, you know, everything's in place for the kids, sanitisation, and, you know, they just need to, you know, just what, make sure they wash their hands and stuff. Are you happy to go back to school? Are you nervous? Are you happy to see all your friends after all these weeks? Yeah. Um, what did you miss the most? My friends. I'm not too bad about it, you know. Um, I think that uh, they have to go back, you know. Um, there has to be a bit of structure anyway, at least, like, um, a bit of normality for the kids, and it's important as well for them to socialise with their friends, which is the, and for their mental health as well, you know, and, their, and, their, and their, social, their social lives in particular, like, so I think it's very important for them to go back, and we're very happy with it, like, you know. This was the first day that I had two of them going back to school, so yeah, but you know what, they need to be back at school, it's good for them. I'm happy to see my friends. Because he's only in senior infants, but um, yeah, no, it's lovely for them to be back, it's important for them to be back. I think that uh, we, you know, we had it under control from kind of the end of last week, so we're feeling much better about it today. Delighted to have them back, they missed their friends, it was a bit long for all the children, wasn't it? So yeah, I'm happy. It's a bit hectic up here, really. Like, George, there's just parents everywhere. There should be a better system in place, I think, really. But it is what it is. Kids need to go back to school. It is what it is. They came, they dropped off, and they left. And the kids are back in class, planned secondary schools as well, going back this week. Anthony says, um, I wonder where were the Gardaí on Saturday to implement the new strict guidelines for pubs? 
I know for a fact that there were pubs in the Cork City jammed to the rafters with no time limits whatsoever being applied. My uncle asked me to drop him into a bar at three o'clock on Saturday afternoon. I dropped him off and there was a big crowd in the bar already. He rang his wife at ten past seven to come and bring him home. She said the place was absolutely thronged when she collected him. Incidentally, he had no booking made either. He just ordered a nine euro toasted sandwich and drank away. If this continues, we're never going to get out of COVID-19. Greedy, greedy pub owners, that's all they are. No doubt if you read this out, they'll be on as usual with their denials, says he. Uh, one fast call this side of 11 because Deirdre's under a bit of pressure. Deirdre, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm me? good. I won't keep you long. Were you in Killarney a couple of weeks back? We were in Killarney. We were doing a little tour of the area uh, two and a half weeks ago. Yeah. We had all intents and purposes of stopping in Killarney, having a bit of lunch, you know yourself, and a walk around. It had been a while since we'd been there. So we came over, over the mountain, a beautiful day, whatever, and drove down through Main Street, the main shopping thoroughfare in Killarney. Yeah. Not one person wearing a mask, Neil. Not, but but uh, I don't wear a mask on the street. Yeah, well, that's okay. Hang on. We pulled in slightly. I looked into a few shops. Nobody wearing masks. Nobody wearing masks going in and out of the shop. Brand, if you're walking on the street, but you're still in a very crowded area. Now, good sense, common sense would say to you, if you're out walking and you're the only person walking, that's fine. But if you're out walking and you're in a crowded area, you should wear a mask. Because the person next to you coming towards you could sneeze into your into your space. I know, but that's area. a very that's a very scary scenario now. If, if they're going to pass some it legislation is, that we means, have to wear masks outdoors, but I'm not saying outdoors as in out walking. Do you know what I mean? In a, in a fine ventilated area. Or are you talking about along a city street? Exactly. If you're going in and out of shop, Neil, which people were doing. In and out of shops, in and out. There was plenty of people sitting outside of um, of bars um, on an outside area. Now, to be fair, some of the bars that I thought would have been opened weren't opened. But maybe they were opening later. I don't know. But what? all I can say to you was we were so surprised. We were getting ready to put on our masks and get out of the car. And I said, no, I'm not getting out of here. I'm not getting out here. Because we generally, looking around, you could, nobody, not one person, in or out of shops that we could see were wearing masks. Was this before the legislation changed? That was the weekend before the, um, it would have been two weekends ago. But it was before the Monday when you had to, by law, wear masks indoors. Um, Well, the guidelines um, said that you should wear them indoors. I'm not sure now, I'm not going to say it was or it wasn't because I'm not exactly sure. I know that when we were away that weekend, right, mm. um, we wore our masks going everywhere. Mm. Mm. We went to um, the Michael Collins house in, in Clannacilty and we wore our masks going in. The lad on the desk was wearing a mask. The people in and out in, in, in uh, viewing the place were wearing masks. We had to book ahead of time. Um, so I'm not sure if that legislation was already in 
Nile, if it was two or three weeks ago, I think not. I think it came in and around the 18th of the 18th of August. But a moment of correction on that. I'm out of time for now. But thank you for that observation, Deirdre. Much yeah. obliged to you. Back after 11 on 1850-104-106. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Uh, with regards to all of the different stories, um, I think you'd sum it up as cowboy builders. Uh, Neil, please keep in mind that most tradesmen are genuine and hardworking. I'm fully insured and registered and I've won many international awards for my work. I have been caught by numerous clients who go over the work with a fine-tooth comb just to find an excuse not to pay. I'm down €6,000 so far this year because of people like this and I've no comeback after spending 95% of the money. I have had a lot more trouble from clients than from tradesmen that I've employed, I can tell you. I know, I'd say some people would just wreck your head, wouldn't they? They really would. Um, last week, of course, we were paying bills um, and uh, one of them happened to be a fine for not having a television license. Um, that's just tacky radio. You invite people on air with real financial problems who park their pride and publicly beg for money. Why not do a deal with St. Vincent de Paul, perhaps? Record phone calls of people looking for help and broadcast them for public entertainment. If this is what you think your listeners want. To me, it is nothing more than tacky broadcasting. Well, thank you for your opinion. Uh, nonetheless, a lot of um, reaction then to um, issues involving addictions. You know how we spoke on a number of occasions last week, particularly Thursday and Friday, with family members of addicts um, and particularly mothers of sons. It was very moving and very emotional, uh, some of the calls from last Friday's programme, but not everybody was sympathetic. And we had some callers on the air who were saying, um, you know, they just don't have empathy or sympathy for addicts. You know, nobody gave them the drink. Nobody brought him into a bookie's office. Nobody gave them heroin. They went out of the way to do it for themselves. So, just some responses to that. Drink is a drug, yet people can get it anywhere. And no one mentions it. It's actually harder to get weed, hash and heroin. So, a big shout out to all NA and AA patrons. The stigma of addictions needs to be addressed, whether it's drugs, gambling, or the new one now, online shopping. Nobody sets out to be an addict. Well, the lads disagreed with that uh, three or four callers last Friday who were saying, you do set out if you start on heroin. Anyone thinking of trying heroin should just walk around the city and see what it has done to the users of the city. That is enough to make anyone not start on it. Well, that clearly isn't working because we have more users now than ever before. I have a son who was on the streets of Cork. He's gone into recovery in the last two weeks. The pain of it as a mum is unreal, seeing your son struggling in addiction and you're totally powerless watching. Your caller on air that shared the story of her family was so strong. Um, It's not their fault that their son doesn't understand uh, addiction. We all have to understand about addiction if we can. People on the streets enabled our son, giving him money to keep his addiction going. Not everyone out there understands addiction. Um, one or two more. Some people turn to drink and drugs because of traumatic health, mental health issues. The strange thing is a lot of alcoholics come from where alcohol was already a problem in the first place. Tell the people who are so quick to judge on your program that I hope their families never need help because their family member may become addicted to something. Just remember, alcoholism and drug use are uh, drug users are human beings. They're someone's children. I bet the people who are so quick to judge will be in church next weekend. 
I'm appalled at the people calling your show the past few days. I was always a proud Cork man, but I'm embarrassed now. First, there is all the begrudgery complaining about the television license being paid. And now no sympathy for people with addictions. These nasty people have nothing better to do than lap up the misery of others while they sit on their high horses. They're worse human beings than the poor souls with addictions. Um, those negative callers on air are so arrogant. No one knows what's going on in anybody else's head. You could have the best life to the outside world, but still have demons in your head. Your callers need to open their eyes and have a reality check. I'm so angry with them. Their attitude is horrific. Uh, I'd love to have a life as perfect as those callers. And there are many more like that. I'm an, I'm an addict in recovery. I'm in hospital at the moment, so I can't come on air. But the man who was on the air is ignorant. Nobody chooses a life in addiction. It is a tough and lonely life. Addiction strips all of the good from our lives and very few successfully get clean and recover. Those that do are the fortunate few and the lucky, lucky ones. And just one more now. Maybe bring on people who've been robbed or mugged by drug addicts to get their fix. Are we saying that these people should not be held responsible for any of their deeds? Murders have been committed under the guise of drugs and drink, you know. These addicts should be held accountable for their actions full stop. It's because the law is so soft on them that they get away with it time after time and continually reoffend. If I have more time, I'll read out more because that's just um, just a selection that came into 0868104106. But one of the conversations that I had on uh, Thursday prompted um, many other calls then, and one of them actually um, I pre-recorded off air. Um, and it was a conversation I had with Niamh, who firstly emailed to say she was listening to the lady speaking about her son's addiction, and she said it was like listening to her own uh, family story. Um, she said that she remembers when she heard on the news the announcement of a death last year, and she instantly knew that it was her brother. And she was right, it was her brother. He was only 36 years old. Um, and she'll never forget that day, the day that her brother died. So I gave her a call off air uh, and we just talked through it. Um, and um, she was very honest and very open and had checked with other family members ahead of talking to me. Neve, good morning. Morning, Neil. Thank you so much for taking the call. Uh, difficult as in all it is for you to, to relive the sad death of your brother. You were listening to uh, Fiona's call on air where her two sons were for many years in the grip of heroin addiction. And she was talking through, you know, their struggles, her struggles as a mother and the family dynamic. And a lot of it rang, th- rang true with regards to your family. Isn't that right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, my brother... His addiction wasn't heroin, it was actually alcohol, but um, I think addiction just affects you the same, really, the family the same. Um, like When I was listening to her, it was like, you know, listening to my parents' story of having to, you know, like put up with addiction with my brother David had issues with alcohol for a long time, really. Um, and, you know, just the whole, the heartbreak of having to eventually you know, take him out of the home and, you know, like why, like as she, as that lady was saying, you know, it's, it's even though you've sent them away, you never stop thinking about them. You, you know, the heartbreak is still go ongoing all the time, you know, so yeah, yeah it just, yeah. it really did ring true. The whole family would have struggled with, uh, with David's issues for a long, long time. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say like David was three years younger than me and, like as even when I was a teenager and David was a teenager, I would remember David having 
problems with, you know, coming in drunk, you know, from I'd say 15 onwards, really. And like he would drink vodka straight and, you know, he was always kind of like the the clown, you know, the life and soul of the party with the clown. And so like, you know, I don't know, he just like he had to put on this bravado. But in hindsight now, looking back, we can see that there was definitely men- mental health issues mm. and that the alcohol was just masking that really, you know, mm. whereas all, all the time we were like going, oh, it's, it's alcoholism. Would he ever just, you know, I suppose we kind of was like, oh, what wouldn't you just give up the drink? Can't yeah. you see he's got a great family? He's got great support. He's got so much to live for, you know. But it's and not a very happy family as well, right? A very happy dynamic. Very happy family, very loving. The most amazing parents, Neil. Um, they are just amazing parents. And, you know, we, we're a very close family. There's a lot of us there. There was eight of us, including David, um, kids, and, like, very close and he was loved like all of us and he knew that and he I know he felt the love but I guess just had his own issues and you know mental health was definitely there um, I suppose when David was young um, when you look back you could see it but at the time we never would have realised like you know there wasn't as much known about mental health yeah. in those times I yeah. suppose really yeah. and so David was you know a troublesome t- child he was spirited there were so many different ways to describe him but yeah. You know, we never realised. And then I suppose the drinking started and then we just blamed the drink, you know, blamed him for drinking and not realising that this there is a bigger issue underneath until it was too late, really. But did know? he discuss it at all over the years, the issues and the struggles he was having? Right, sorry, so that's again? Did he discuss it with any of the family, the issues and the struggles he was having? Oh, no, no. And, like, it was all denial about the drink. Like, it was all secrecy about the drink. And the issues, no, never, ever would have said, you know, there was anything going on, you know, in the mind or anything like that. And um, we started to see it when the drink really took over, I suppose. And then, you know, there would be times where he went into the, like, the Tabor Lodge and that, or when he was coming down off drink, then we would notice that there was kind of... He would be, you know, there would be issues like where he would be almost hallucinating and imagining things were going on. Yeah. And then it was hard to, to decide whether that was because he was coming down from drink or was there more something else going on. But obviously there probably was really in hindsight. Yeah. You know? And your parents would have been with him right along that path. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, my parents, like they, they did everything they could. I mean, when, when. You know, when he was in his late teens, early twenties, you know, he was, he was a messy drunk. There's no two ways about it. And, um, he would have definitely had lots of run-ins with the law and everything and, um, drunken disorder here, there and everywhere. And like at the start, my parents, God love them, they, they'd turn up to the courts and try and help. And then they soon realized that he, that wasn't going to help the situation that he needed tough love. But like they're such loving people, it was very hard for them to give them tough love. Really, you know, but it's very tough, hard to turn your your yeah. back because you feel like you're turning your back on your child, you know. And so they worked with him and tried to help him for years and years until it came to a point where, just like um, just like uh, Fiona, yeah, your folks who loved him so much had to ask him to leave. Was it? Yeah, yeah. Now, I think David knew himself too. Even mum would say that David knew he couldn't stay at home either because he was very aware that he was breaking their hearts too. And he he had such a good heart himself. He, he didn't want to do that. Really, the addiction had taken over. It wasn't David anymore. It was the addict. And so I suppose it was a, a mixture of them saying, you can't stay here anymore and him kind of knowing that and leaving. And so first he had a place. He had a couple of places in town. And then it went to where he was given, um, 
he would have been given like an apartment through through um, Simon, where he would have had his own access to a, a, his own area to yes, go into a yes. residential area, and then he was becoming aggressive with staff and things, unfortunately. Um, and so then eventually it was just that he was able to avail of their services if, you know, if he wasn't aggressive, you know, he w- if he would turn up somewhat sober to them and that at night time, you know. So, so at that stage yeah. now he was technically homeless, but looking for a bed at 11 o'clock at night. Yeah, 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 basically. And yeah. You, but, were you guys still in contact with mum and dad, you know, they tried their best and, you know, he would arrive to the house looking for money and, you know, it's very hard for them to say no and he would say, oh, but I'm hungry, even though they would know the money was for drinks so they would still give it to him because, you know, how can you ch- turn your son away if he's telling you he's hungry and whatever, you know, you, you, it's just It must have been tearing. It but they had been. fantastic support also, just to mention, Neil, they had great support from Cork Simon during that time too. Oh, know, um, know, David, David Key Worker was amazing and, you know, she really was... She did all she could, even for mum and dad as well, so that they were able to be kept in the loop on how he was and, you know, how he Yeah, because there was a, there's been a lot of criticism and observance of this over the last few days of, you know, grown adults who have serious addiction problems and people see everybody on the street out of their minds and they're annoyed and fed up. But there's a child in all of those stories, isn't there? There's a son, yeah. there's, a, there's a daughter. That's why... That's why it breaks yeah, my heart. They're human beings too, you know, and and I I know I did hear a little bit about a man speaking about, um, you know, they choose it. I don't think anyone chooses to end up on the street to have their family not being able to be in contact with their family. I don't think anyone chooses that. I don't think anyone wakes up and says, oh, you know, what I'm going to do today, I'm just going to drink and drink because for the for the laugh and then end up in the situation they're drinking to mask bigger issues obviously you know and it's it's and then it's a revolving door because like in David's situation like the mental health couldn't be treated because he was never sober enough so he would end up in St Michael's on a regular basis but he was never treated for the mental health side because he wouldn't stop drinking and so they couldn't really deal with the issues on the mental health side, yet, side because of that. Yeah, you but know? yet you as a family and your parents, of course, in particular, didn't love him any less. But dealt no. to, I mean, it must have broken their hearts, maybe their health, I don't know, um, to know that he was literally a homeless alcoholic oh, in the yeah. same city I as mean, them. Yeah, I mean, you, it's, you can't even describe, sorry, you can't even describe. It's a heartache. Like, I mean, I would... I would drive through town and drive past my brother. You know, it's like you feel like you're betraying him, but like there was nothing I could do for him. And there was also a fear factor, you know, because you wouldn't know what way you would um, come across David too. You know, if he was after a few drinks, he could be, you know, a little bit aggressive or whatever. Like he was a, he was such a big kind heart, but the, the yeah, addict taken was over. a different yeah. person. Uh, yeah, yeah. And that's what it is. I think, you know, we loved David, but we hated the addict, you know, and my parents wanted to look after David, but they had to turn their backs on the addict, really, you know. It must have been an awful struggle or internal battle, uh, you know. Internal to, battle. To, it's, and it's such a complex situation. And I don't think unless you're in the situation, you can fully understand it because I know... Like other people must think, how could you like, like really like turn your back on your brother? Because that's how it be- feels and felt to me. But it really was out of fear and it was out of helplessness because we had done all we could for him. I know. Um, and and also there was the element where we felt 
you know, look, if we give him the tough love, he has to fall, really hit rock bottom, he'll see it. But like, he was too far gone in his addiction, to be yes, honest, yes, really, yes, I think, yeah, to, yeah. to, to, for, because he's hit rock bottom, God knows, so many times. So, like, it was just, oh, I don't know, it was just a, a very difficult situation. Like, part of us wanted to take him home and, when I was and look after him, but there was always then that fear of how he would be and there was all this, you know, he would disappear for days and mum and dad would be worried that he, what way he would arrive back and they did, they put up with that for years. I mean, it's not like they just turned around after a, a short time and decided we can't do this anymore. That was years of heartache, you know, for them. I understand. And I understand the philosophy of tough love. Let him fall as far as he needs to fall and then he will, maybe yeah. the penny will drop and he'll really seek help yeah. and, and make change. Unfortunately though, um, like many parents and again, Fiona was forever waiting for the phone to ring or for guards to call. Yeah. Talk to me yeah. about that day in um in April of last yeah. year. Yeah, well that um that was yeah, I mean it was traumatic. But like I suppose we always like for the last few months before leading up to his death, we we were all saying, you know, it's only a matter of time, it's just getting worse and worse and Whatever, and you know, you'd hear every so often there had been two deaths, I think, in in the months um, previous to his death, and you know, we, we heard about those. Um, and then I was just listening to the radio, I was listening to the news bulletin at two o'clock on that Monday, and I heard of, of um, a man had been found, um, and that he was known to Simon, and that he was in his thirties. And I just, I honestly, I just knew in my gut, I knew it was David. So I rang my mum and mum said, no way, I would have heard. I didn't hear anything or whatever. So I came off the phone from mum and I'd say my phone rang about 10 minutes later again from mum because the guards literally arrived after I made the call to her. So she was somewhat prepared. So when dad said, you know, when they went out and saw the guards, they knew really in their heart to hearts that it was David because I had made the phone call to them telling them what I had heard on the radio. So in ways I feel... It was meant to happen that they were almost forewarned before the guards had to tell them, you know. I think if I remember correctly. But it was just, it was just like, you you said, oh, let you, please don't let it be him, you know. And then, mum brought me back and... I'm sorry that it's so upsetting for you. I'm sorry it's so upsetting for you. I think he was found on a bench in Anderson's Quay, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, the... You know, months later, we went to the coroner's court and whatever for the results of the autopsy and that. And, um, like he had been seen, like that, he died at 11.30 in the morning and he'd been seen at 10, around 10 by people from Simon and he was in good spirits and he was, he was seemingly sober and everything at that stage. He was in good spirits and he was dead within an hour and a half and the alcohol levels in his system were, like I think it's something like four hundred, I don't know, mil or something is 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 a lethal amount, and there was a five hundred level in his system, so we can only assume that he's had that pochine, you know. Oh yes, around. that's all the rage. Good God. Yeah, and I I went the day after he died, I went to the bench where he had been found just to bring some flowers and. There were some lovely flowers and notes from people left for him. And I met two men there that were actually drinking at the time when I was talking to them. And they they said to me, it was the poutine that those people were making that killed him, that, you know, 
that's what he was taking, you know, like a fiver for a bottle. Like it's, and, it's lethal. It's it's eighty or ninety percent proof. Yeah, I know. It's terrible. Yeah, it is. People yeah, are going around on yeah. it like zombies. Oh my god. Yeah, but I just I just wanted oh to I contact you too because I just feel. I know people are very quick to judge, you know, the addicts in the streets. And, like, I probably would have been like that years ago myself because, you know, you just, it, it's ignorance, I guess, really. But, you know, every person is a human. Like, they are an addict, but they're also human and they have a family. I know. And they have a right to respect, you know. And, like, even hearing about that couple that were filmed, you know, between the cars, or well, I didn't see the video, but I heard about it. And I just thought that's somebody's son or somebody's daughter and that's somebody you know it's just all for the it wasn't part like it wasn't the part of the plan when they were babies you see or when they no, were little children no, or toddlers or, no you know. no they didn't ask for it you know this is a bigger problem than and, this is a pandemic and how is the fa- know, how is the family coping it's over a year now um, I think we're, we're we're good now we're very strong we're very supportive of each other um, we speak openly about David. We speak openly about his issues. There's no secrecy. You know, we're very, like, even when we had David's funeral, my father spoke openly in the church about addiction. There was no shame about David. And so I think the support we have for each other is a huge thing. Um, we're actively involved in fundraising for Cork Simon. My yeah. two nieces have done great fundraisers, both of them the last few months. Yeah, I know. I have to say my, Simon, my, my sister was, my sister was at the, yeah. my sister was at the funeral actually and she spoke about, That's about right. your dad and, and what he said in the church. Um, she said it was heartbreaking. In fact, yeah. I, I know your dad for many years and, and he's one of Cork's gentlemen. He's a wonderful, wonderful man. I don't know yeah. your mother so well but I certainly yeah, know your dad for many she's years. She's one of Cork's ladies. <laughs> I'm quite sure that she is. I'm quite sure the I'm told the whole family is without a doubt. Yeah. It's a yeah. heart it's a heartbreaking story, but it's it's important to hear the story behind the statistic yeah. and I'm grateful to you for that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, thank and f- you. And for your honesty, thank you so much for taking the call and um Okay. Do say hi to all of the family, okay? I will. Thanks, Neil. Take care, Neil. Okay, thank you. Thanks. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Actually quite amazed at the amount of times that a story being told on air seems to ring true with so many other people in their own scenario or they have similar stories to tell. Amongst them, Rochelle, who joins me by phone. Good morning. Hi, Niall. It's Michelle. Sorry, not Rochelle. Sorry, it says Rochelle. My apologies, Michelle. My apologies. Now, um... Just with regards to my conversation with Neev, that touched a nerve with you, didn't it? Yeah, An emotional hugely, nerve. Yeah. Hugely, and I just want her to know that she's not alone. She was telling a story um, of her brother David, yeah. Yeah. I have a brother who's 37. His name is Paul, and he's smart and funny and so loved, and he's a paranoid schizophrenic. And he had to move out of the family home about nine years ago because it became unsafe for the family to have him living there. And we don't know where he is or what he's doing, how he's doing. We just know that he's somewhere in Dublin. Have you had no contact in nine years? Uh, He might send my mum a text, but the texts are very disjointed, very inappropriate. He's paranoid and he believes everybody is trying to kill him. That's the condition, yeah, that's the disorder. And, you know, you see those addicts on the streets and somebody saying, well, they chose to take heroin or they chose to do drugs they did but they did that to get rid of a pain that they have that you have no idea what it's like and please don't judge those people because they are loved and they are valued by somebody 
And you you were saying that he he would have been a hash, a heavy hash user, was that hugely, right? Hugely, hugely, hugely. And I, to my dying day, will believe it triggered it in him. He went missing when he was 17. He walked from Dublin, where my mum lives, to Dublin Airport and got on a flight to Paris. There was news coverage. He was on Archie's news um, that he was missing and he just called my mum cool as a breeze and says yeah I'm in Paris and I can't get home and he was diagnosed he got very unwell then for about a year and it took about a year and a half to two years to have him diagnosed and he was diagnosed as a paranoid schizophrenic just before he turned 21 and are you linking have medics linked the two that the the hash cannabis use triggered paranoid schizophrenia there are numerous studies to suggest that but as many as there are to suggest it there are also studies to disprove it so we have no way of ever knowing um there's no mental health issues in our family that we can link it back to but i mean it it doesn't really matter what caused it. it it happened yeah, you know? no, I was just curious whether it was cause and effect, you know. Uh, the the doctors at the time felt that it was, yeah. that it contributed to it. Yeah. So you don't know what is <laughs> what condition he's in or his, his, no. his welfare or his no. living conditions only, or whether he's been no. cared for? No, the only thing that I ask is that wherever he is, that he's content in his own mind. Because I can't imagine living with a tortured mind that he's just content. Sorry, Neil. Um, that he's just content in himself, whether he never speaks to any of us again. If I just knew that he was content in himself, then we would, you know, you'd get over it. I know. Maybe. Um, but we, we have no idea what way he is, where he is. And Neil, in part of the conversation, spoke about hearing of a death on the news, on the radio, and um, yeah. feeling that it was uh, our brother. Do you, yeah. you live with that worry, do you? Every time there's a reported death of a homeless person in Dublin that's in their 30s, yeah, every time, every time. And we just wait a couple of days to hear if we are contacted to see if we're contacted. Um, we have called all the homeless hostels, the assisted living units in Dublin, but because he's over 18, nobody will give us any information and people have a right to their privacy. I wouldn't dispute that. Um, we have no way of knowing where he is. We just know that if if something happens to him, my mum would be down as his next of kin, so she'd get a phone call. Yes, I know, I know. You know? I know. So and, you, just, and your mother is taking it very, very hard, isn't she? she? Her baby is her youngest. She has four, and that's her youngest. And she just, she's, he's lost to her, to her whole family. I'm really sorry. I know, <sighs> I know, I know. And so and she, just for anybody listening, please, please, please don't judge people that you see on the streets. Don't mock them. Don't degrade them further. Know that they are loved by someone and they are valued as much as you are okay. and as much as you value your children. And you live in the hope that all will be well at some stage? Yeah. yeah. yeah my all you can do. His medication. Um, yeah, and when he's medicated, he's... He's well, <clears throat> excuse me, he's well, and he's, he's so funny. Like, he's just so, so funny, and he's so family-orientated. But he just, he just won't take the medication, and it is what it is. So it's about not being judgmental, having empathy. Please, 
please don't be judgmental. All right. Because okay. somebody loves the person that you're looking down on. And he has nieces and nephews that he doesn't even know. He does. And, and he, he would does. love them. Oh, oh my gosh, so yeah. much. I have a daughter, I have a, she's almost eight, and we talk about Uncle Paul all the time. But she's never met him. He doesn't know she exists. I know, I know. My I brother know. has three boys, and my sister has another boy that he's never. He doesn't. He doesn't know anything about them. And I suppose yeah, where there's sorry. life, there's hope. And that's what I I said in the in sorry in the message. We do live in hope, and we hope that one day, you know, somebody, something makes him want to take his medication or I don't know yeah get well and stay well well hold on to that hope thank you thanks so much Thanks for taking the call, Michelle. Thank you so Thanks. much. Thanks. Take care. Bye. I've been listening to your show and uh, I can understand how empathy for addicts can be low sometimes. Uh, unfortunately, we are living with an alcoholic who believes they are the best thing since sliced pan and they won't get nor accept help no matter how many times we have tried to speak with him. He speaks about my mother like she's dirt and blames her for his drinking. But his family members told me he had done the same to them. And their mother years ago, my younger sibling, who's a minor, has been very upset by all of this, as you can imagine. Uh, my empathy for his addiction has finally run out. So I, am, I completely understand listening to a program while others feel the same. As they say, one drink is too many and a hundred is never enough, says Jay. Listening to your discussions on air about addictions, particularly the conversation with three callers, John, Pamela and Jason. Yes, they were on the air at the same time. Uh, thank God I don't have to depend on the likes of John when I was in recovery over 15 years ago. Uh, those two recovered addicts, Pamela and Jason, have more love, empathy, compassion and kindness and generosity than John has on his small finger alone. Thank God for recovery for me with its 12-step program to help us become more human. John could really benefit from a beautiful program like this to become more human. Remember, Jesus came to heal the broken. Does John and the other critical caller, Tom, think they're so pure and untouched by the trials and tribulations of life that they are above God even? But thank you to Pamela and Jason for highlighting blessings. Uh, Where's your kindness, generosity and love, I would ask of John and Thomas on air. And that's from Liv. And one final one ahead of the ad break. Regards the negative comments on Friday's program, particularly by callers John and Thomas. Uh, first of all, I think John needs to stay off radio because he has no business being on with his negativity and his horrible rhetoric. I disagree with some of your regular contributors, but I do respect all of their opinions. But I never heard him say something good or positive. The way he came on to judge addicts and people down looking down, looking, it was just disgusting. For a man of his age, he should know better. Um, And for Thomas, who agreed with him, taking a hard line on addicts and people down on their luck is not the way to go. If they had their way, they would lock all addicts and the people with depression in one big room and leave them there to rot, I would imagine. They have no compassion and it's just a horrible way to view people who are less off than ourselves. The last thing I would like is that people who take drugs and people who are addicted Can I say they never chose to be addicts? They chose to take the drugs to take away pain. But they never choose to be addicts and it just spirals out of control. So nobody understands unless you've been down that road yourself. Like one man said, we all have different strengths. Some people are able to get over problems, some aren't. True, we all have problems and issues, but some people just cannot get over theirs. And that's not their fault. I hope you get to read out my email. That's from Timothy. Neil at redfm.ie. 
The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. Okay, uh, friends, I have friends in various parts of the world like Australia, Japan, Slovakia, Poland, Sweden, Sweden and the UK. All their pubs are open. They follow the guidelines and they don't have to pay nine euro to get a meal before they can have a drink. They don't have a time limit either. They just have sensible stays within their own group of friends and socially distance. Here, the closing of pubs has caused people to go elsewhere to get a bit of social relaxation, hence mixing with people that they wouldn't normally be in contact with. None of these decisions make sense. All the figures appear to be stacked against us. But in real terms, the only figures that count is ICU admissions. And that's well down. The government seems to have this attitude that the peasants that drink in ordinary pubs don't know how to behave. The peasants that drink in ordinary pubs don't know how to behave. I'd be very careful if I was in government. These peasants could, uh, through the pressure of social media, cause the resignations more than just Golfgate, says Noel. Thank you for that. <laughs> I like texts like that, the challenge. Actually, talk about challenging texts. I read one out there earlier on from an OAP, a self-described OAP, who also said that she wrote the Taoiseach uh, Michal Martin and is waiting on a response. She's 81 years old now and she doesn't want to be murdered by the government. Um, that's uh, that's Kate. Uh, and Brenda was just chatting with her there and she's coming on air now. Kate, good morning. Oh, good morning, Neil. Now, I did read the email out. Fine, strong email. Fair play to you. Well able. Um, but a call is always better. And it's about... It's about shopping, isn't it? You were go, you were you were you having a Barney about um, mothers who bring three kids to the supermarket when oh. they should be shopping when the kids are in school, and then the kids are pulling and hauling, and they're all in their school uniform. That was the gist of it, wasn't it? Yep. Okay. And they were handling everything uh, all over the place, and she was saying, "Put that back. You're not having it." Put so you back. so you eventually said it to one man, wasn't it? Well, I very, I, I worded it carefully so that she didn't think I was challenging her. And I just happened to say to her, oh, you must be pleased to have them back at school. And her reply was, oh, it's like winning the lottery. And I said, oh, and did that, you know, enable you to go back to work? She said, no, I don't work. She said, but it was lovely being with my friends, a nice, peaceful time. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, then you said, why the hell did you well, said? I said to her, yeah. I... I said, well, you know, you, she really ought to consider, you know, bringing the children in in their uniforms and that. But then she told me, jump in my coffin. <laughs> and so he, you find it funny. Hey, find I, well, fun. you know, I mean, I'm not ready. As I've said to you, I'm in the middle lane. I'm not very anxious to get in the fast lane to the cemetery. <laughs> Well, would yeah. you be? No, even when I'm 81, I won't be in any particular rush. <laughs> and neither will I. So, um, I, anyway, the lady coming by was a little bit shocked. Um, I didn't see her first, and she said, what a dreadful thing to say to that lady. And she told her to F off. And then she, the lady said to her, you know, that's a nice way to be bringing your children up, that behavior. And then she spoke to me a little later. I said, oh, I'm going. I said, I'm not doing any more shopping. I'm off. <laughs> and she said, I'm a teacher, but not at that school. And she said, "Is that's the behavior today. Isn't it appalling? Well, I've got six children, seven grandchildren and five great-grandchildren, one I've never seen yet. And I, as I say in my letter to the Taoiseach, 
probably the next time they see me, it'll be looking at my casket before they put me in Lachine Cemetery. Mm, mm, Parents, mm. but... Can, um, I just, can I just ask you, you know when, when she, you know, a pa- another shopper passed by and interjected that that was a terrible way the woman spoke to you and you yeah. won't told her to F off. Did the kid, did her kids tell her, hear her telling the woman to F off? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They were looking, they were looking as if, you know, they were, well, I think the young girl was worried why she told me to go in the coffin because she said to her, mommy, she's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an awful thing to say to somebody, wouldn't you? That's pretty much saying, go on away and kill yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As if I'm going to. Maybe she was a stressed mammy with three kids pulling and hauling and didn't mean it. Well, she had a good... Well, she shouldn't have said it. She had a, What a thing to come out of her mouth. She had a morning with her friends, having her coffee and her munchies while the children were at school. Because the youngest was about six, I'd say, six or seven. Why would a supermarket allow a mother with three children in? There's no there were four. Th- four, four of them to be, to be huddled around one trolley. Well, there was trolley. children in the store, all after school. It suddenly, I avoided the morning because I, I rang the supermarkets in my town and said to them, what's the situation for OAPs as instructed by, by Michal Martin? Um, little is between 9 and 11, and the others are between 11 and 1. Why didn't you go then, though, Kate? Pardon? Why didn't you go at those designated times? Did you not read my letter? Oh, I did, I but... I asked her, is it OAPs only? Because I remember the first lockdown, and someone else done my shopping then for me. And I thought it, it was an awful lot to put in. I'm not a big hoarder anyhow. I've got a good pantry and I cook everything fresh. But I said to her, anybody else allowed in besides OAPs? And she said, yes, carers and frontline workers. I said, well, that's one way to kill us off, isn't it? So I avoided that. Because you'd have frontline workers perhaps in uniform mixing with OAPs and people in their 80s like you. That's the worry. Of course, yes. and vulnerable people, I think, are more important because vulnerable people are vulnerable. And OAPs, not every OAP is vulnerable. I, I actually thought to. I actually thought that the designated hours were just for OAPs and vulnerable people. I didn't know that healthcare workers were in there at the same time as pensioners. I didn't know that. That doesn't make sense to me. Well, I, when I lived in England, I did. Um, I was in um, Tesco's shopping one day. Well, they all knew me anyhow. I, I don't ever have arguments or anything like that. And they were picking up broccoli and all this sort of thing and yakking away. And I said, excuse me, are you nurses or carers? And they said, oh, we're carers with a big smile on their face. I said, well, do you think that you should be in this store handling that vegetables when you've come in here in the uniform? And they looked at each other and they said, oh, let's hope we never have to care for you. <laughs> but you're no just... No one you're, have to care for me, I can assure you yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, uh, oh, absolutely, you're well capable. Yeah, because I did pick up a tinge of a UK accent. You, you, I know, no, I'm a cork girl. I'm yeah. a cork girl. I'm a cork girl. <laughs> My mother wasn't from Cork. My mother was from, I better not say. But you I left was, in the 50s, didn't you? My mother was from McCroom, my father was from Cork. Well, you know about what they say about McCroom, don't you? There's lots of room in McCroom. What do you know about it? <laughs> they used to say McCroom, the town that never reared a fool. Exactly. Did you hear that one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But you I mean, left in the 50s I'm to go. 
<laughs> That's what I mean. So you yeah. left in the 50s to work in the, was it London? Did you go to where? I worked, I, I percolated, I went to crew. I was in Cheshire Hospital first, worked my way down to London. All the way, when I passed exams, I worked my way down and then I became a midwife. And then instead of delivering them, I had them. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you had many kids? Seven, I think. Oh, no. No, you left seven brothers and sisters. 56, 55, 54, 50, 49, and 38. Wow. What did, you say, then, what did you say to Michal Martin then? Well, the letter. T- I wanted to know, I wanted to know why <clears throat> he put the stop on us. He immediately comes out with, um, we have got to um, limit our time out, shop in designated times, and that's what I picked up on when I rang the supermarket. Mm-hmm. Then I thought to myself, I mean, you saw in my letter, I don't want to say over the air what um, people we uh, I voted for. It's been all my life. Not that that would change. I mean, I'd look at the person now and be sure I'd be voting in the best of my ability if I'm still alive with the next election, which I will be. Yeah. Well, but you do say the way things are now, I do not think I will ever see or touch my uh, five children, yeah, grandchildren, seven grandchildren, five great grandchildren again. The next time they'll be in my company, she'll be in an urn, which is not a happy thought. I'm. You say I'm dying in sorrow. Yeah. I'm dying in sorrow for the old people and the people who are, uh, the forgotten people who I know not everybody forgets them, that the people that have died um, from this COVID-19 and why do the people not listen? You see, in the very beginning, Neil, I think Vardok made a mistake. Varadkar? He should have said everybody, because we don't know who this virus affects, everybody is to stay, you know, within their own boundaries. The young, from the cradles to the grave, until we saw where this virus was going. I don't, and I give him cocooning. What a word. Does he think we're a bird in a tree? Yeah. Um, but I didn't like it. Now, when I was doing the letter to me hall, I thought to myself, who's our health minister? Because I really do believe Simon Harris was absolutely brilliant. He was on our television every day giving you really nice warnings, positive warnings, not a dictator. I had to look up the name of our health minister and I asked him, is he an X-ray? Because he's not on the television, he's not speaking to people. But there is total confusion. You must know that, Neil. I keep my... I mean, okay, I've got plenty ground around me. But, I mean, I'm... You know, we we are retired and we intended... Because we go to Maastricht every year to André Rue. And now that's all gone by the boat. And I think you were doing a lot more than that. You had a lot more plans, didn't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. You were doing the Wild Atlantic Way, I think, weren't you? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I'm a wild girl when I get going, but I'm not a computer girl. And you were heading to Greece to yes, visit family? Oh, my, my daughter and grandchildren, because my grandchildren have all just passed with nine A's, A's's they've come out with in all their studies. They got their head down and they behaved themselves. But I was I just looking at what you were saying to Michal Martin. You said that your mother died at 35 years of age. Yep. I left a house full of children, but seven. I had a great dad. And did but your course, dad rear the seven of you then? 
Well, I did. I looked after the house for him because I was very um, attached to my mother. My oldest sister, God rest her soul, Eileen, was a chocolate teapot. But what we didn't know, she was courting. And we didn't know that. Uh, Yeah. So she wasn't pulling her weight? Eh? She wasn't pulling her weight then? Oh, no, no. I mean, a kitchen to her was something you walk through. But what, your mum died at 35? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. She died in the incurable St. Patrick's Hospital. Was it, yeah. di- was it cancer? Well, if I tell you the story, you probably won't believe it. Very quickly, my father worked for Haddon's... Um, Bakery. Bread delivery in South Main Street. And Mammy saw these things outside the door one day, and she said, Jerry... What are they? And he said, they're flower bags. She said, where are they going? He said, oh, they have to get rid of them because they can't reuse them. She said, they're linen. And she said, ask him if I can have them. So he said, yeah. When my father brought home dozens, Mammy went up the end of the garden, shuck them all out, and she was like a snow woman, cleaned them all, soaked them, softened them up, and made, like, clothes, because he used to bring in things from customers' gifts, like a turkey or uh, a salmon or something. I think he caught the salmon illegally himself, but he said it was a gift. (laughs) And Mummy didn't believe him. And uh, then she ripped them all apart, and she'd make, like, night clothes for us and uh, blouses for school. And then then, uh, she'd done some for the orphanage. And she then, my last sister, who is now dead, Carol, God rest her, she was two. I never remember Mammy being in bed ill, but Mammy was... <sighs> and the next thing we knew is, the Rand the Rand came out on the 26th of December, and there was the Rand the Rand, the Jew Messie on the door, and she got up, got her purse, and was throwing coppers out the window, and just fell onto the half window. And my father called an ambulance, and I never saw her again till she was on the slab in St. Patrick's. And they'd done a post-mortem, and when they opened her up, her lungs were full of flour. Oh, for God's sake. Yeah, that's, that was her charity work. Oh, my God. All for charity to help people. Yeah, That's yeah. so tragic. You know, I think Listen. of her every day of my life, because to me, she'll always be young. But she'd be delighted to know that, you know, the youngest lived to 65. I've got a brother in England who's 83. He's fine. A brother who's 76, 7, and one who's 72. And a sister, a paisan, who's 77. And she's got you at 81, hale and hearty, with a feisty attitude to life. Fair play to you. (laughs) I got to go, but it's been lovely talking to you, Kate. Let me know if if he writes back, all right? And my grandson and Robin in England listens to you. Well, he's got good. Tell him he's got great taste. Mind yourself. He knows he has. (laughs) Good luck, good luck, good luck. Come back to me when Michal Martin responds to your your letter. Our lines will stay open at 1850-104-106. We're out of time. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.